Okay, everyone, welcome to Hasidus Thursday night. Um, I want to thank first, before I begin today's class, I want to skip, uh, <coughs> thank the sponsor from um, last Monday's class, because I asked on Monday that if anybody wants to sponsor the class, someone responded. So retroactively, they sponsored the Monday class, and this was by C.H. Begun. And this is in honor of Shloyma Mordechai ben Chana. I don't know if it's honor, more Shlomo Mordechai ben Chana, whatever, whatever Shlomo Mordechai ben Chana, this was an honor and intention for, let this be in their honor. Thank you. Okay. Every class in Mayan is always, is always um, available for sponsorship. So it's always good to know that. Big merits because we learn the deepest secrets of the Torah over here, which are rarely taught, especially in the, in the, um, in the, in the enormity, the, as much as we do over here. So that's very unique. Okay, let me just shut this other phone so it doesn't bother. We're ready to go. Thank you. So we are holding over here. We've been doing, I think, um, four classes. Two classes, we learned the discourse itself. And two classes, we're learning the explanation on the discourse. And this is, um, although this week is part of Vayera, um, we're still learning the mimer of the conclusion of the Torah, Torah Tivalana, but as we discussed in the previous weeks, we are learning this as an introduction to the Torah study of this of this whole cycle. We just started a cycle. We're four Torah portions in. And yet, we're still preparing to study. We have a much deeper understanding of the Torah that we're learning, the enormity of it, the awesomeness of the Torah. And this was the discussion that we had in the past couple of weeks. So officially, we're supposed to finish tonight. The last piece of the Mimer, the last chapter, um, is on next week's Torah portion, Pasha's Chayasara. And it gives a phenomenal understanding in a story of next week's Torah portion. What they're doing in, in Pasha's Vezosa Bracha, the Rebbe, the, 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 our Rebbe, discusses why his great, 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 great grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, put an explanation of Parshas Chayestara, um, and he chose to conclude the book of his Lakuti Torah. It's not the last piece of Lakuti Torah, but it's in Vizota Bracha. It's pretty much very close to the end with that story, because that story, the story of Yitzchak and Rivka and their marriage, is really very much the very much the summarization of the entire Torah. Um, but that last piece I'm not going to do tonight simply because I didn't prepare myself well enough. The challenge I have is that next week I'm going to be out of town. And, um, but it doesn't mean that I'm not, I can't give the class. I, I, I would like to give the class, just figure out what time to do it. But that last piece, I definitely would like to finish up as a session next week. So that's the plan. Hashem should help that we should get that done. Okay, especially since we've spent four weeks learning this discourse, I don't want to leave that piece 
which is so fundamental and so powerful as it looks like uh, to be left without being concluded. So that should be the conclusion of this mimer. We also left out a whole sif, sif dalid, in the in the mimer itself. Now this is again the explanation of the mimer, that's the mimer. And the reason I left it out was because it was very cryptic and it was in a parenthesis, which means it was from the Tzemach Tzedek. And not that from the Tzemach Tzedek we, is not, we shouldn't learn, we should learn. It's just it was a little too much and I didn't want to throw the whole topic off and, and I didn't delve in to figure it out myself. So we'll see what we're going to do with that Perik Dalit. Maybe next week we can, if we finish and we only learn a smaller piece, maybe we'll be able to combine that and finish Siv Dalit of the first so we have the complete discourse, a nice couple of pages of the Kuti Torah, all done. All right. After all that being said, now we're ready to go. We are learning over here in all these discourses about the flow of divine wisdom of how does godly wisdom, which we call the Torah, come to the world. So we learned that there is two stages. First stage is there is a revelation emanating from the supermind, which is beyond the divine intelligence even, the source from where intelligence comes from. He referred to it as Chachmas Dima, the concealed level of Chachma. In Kabbalistic terms, it's, it, it means Chachma, the level of Chachma, which is rooted in Keter. That means Chachma where it is still a subcategory of Keter, meaning it's not an individual attribute of Chachma, but Chachma as it is still included in the crown. What is crown? The level of crown represents a level of pre-adjustment. The level of crown is the level of the Orein Sof, the infinite light. That's why it's considered a crown, a crown in circles. So the crown, and also the crown represents something that's very high. Not just does it encircle, it encircles the head. So the idea behind it being, the idea of Keter is a level of the Orein Sof. And because it is Orein Sof, the infinite, however, it's, if it's the infinite, just call it the infinite. What is the idea of Keter? What is the idea of crown? A crown is a crown to something, which means it is a surrounding uh, element that is surrounding something. It is encompassing something. What that means is that the pure infinite, where the infinite is infinite onto itself, and isn't in any way relatable at all to the to, 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 to finitude, to any level of creation and world and so on and so forth, that is not referred to as Keter. That's the Oyrin Seif, the infinite bias on its own. Or as we might just say, God himself. When we say um, Keter, we're referring to the infinite already stationing itself to, to be a source for a later creation. Now, obviously, it's not a source for creation because it's still infinite. Uh, the way Hashem produces a finite world is by first by first limiting himself, his energy, where God limits himself into a limited force, into a limited being, so to speak. When we say limited, we don't really mean limited in the regular sense. We mean limited in the, in the fact that God 
assumes or vests himself into a certain definable um, entity, albeit remaining an infinite being, but an infinite, an infinite force of compassion or an infinite force of love, of kindness, or an infinite intelligence. It's still divine, so it's infinite. It's not creation, but it yet has already definitions. In general, that whole dimension where Hashem has contracted himself into some into some limited, definable state of, of being, that, that is where God is called man. And in general, that's the range of what we refer to as spherot, attributes. And when we say attributes, we mean attributes from Chachma and downward. Ten spherot, from Chachma and downward. So even though when we speak about intelligence, it's infinite intelligence. It's not human intelligence. It's not even celestial intelligence of angels and so forth, because they're all creations. This is infinitely beyond creation. This is God's intelligence. But the fact that he can actually in this week's Torah or Parshas Vayera, the Alter Rebbe in, in the Sefer Torah or, which is the, the other volume of the book that we're learning now, is a long discourse on the concept of the Ten Spheros. Paschalio, it's called. It's where he goes through the concept of the Ten Spheros. What is the function of the Spheros? Very worth. We learned it once. Obviously worth lear learning again and again and again. But that's the idea. Spherot are, are already contracted um, formations of godliness. Um, Keter is a preparatory stage for Sephirot. It's not Sephirot yet. It's a preparatory stage for Sephirot, and therefore it's still considered or in self infinite. The only thing is, it's the infinite preparing to project finitude or project personality. Now, being that it's the infinite preparing for the emanation of spherot, all right, follow along. Being that we're talking about the infinite preparing for the, for the projection and emanation of attributes, for that reason, we can already subtly talk about attributes in it because from it will come attributes so therefore we can speak of attributes in it however with the understanding that at the level of Keter the attributes are not at all attributes they're potentials for attributes but not attributes and therefore they are utterly limitless so they are infinitely higher than them when the attribute emerges as a specified attribute. And because it's still the attributes as they are in Kesem. So if that's the case, now we can start understanding the emergence of the Torah. Where the Torah emergence is as follows. From the Chachma Stima, from the concealed Chachma, what does Chachmastima mean? Chachmastima is the Chachma, the wisdom of God, while it is still in Keter. In that, in Keter, which means the crown, which means it's purely infinite. It's not yet a power, it's not yet an intelligence, but it's the source from where intelligence comes from. So in the human experience, it would be 
our intelligence, we know whatever we conceive, whatever ideas we invent, and we know there is a power in our being which we cannot identify. But when we say identify, I mean we can't identify it positively to say this is what it is because we don't know it, but we know there is a place from where wisdom and intelligence is pumped into our consciousness. It's like a super pump from where we lift our heads up when we think, when we concentrate. And we're, when we concentrate, we're banging on the door of that place that it should release an idea. It should release something from the, and that's where the, the, the pre-cre, it's pre-creative, where the creativity takes place and ideas emerge. Once the idea emerges already, it's already a definable concept. It's already something, but this is pre, and that's why this level is still called I am nothingness. So from God's nothingness, from the pre, from there emerges the divine intelligence. Or is the divine intelligence. However, Let's understand something, this is what we discussed last week. The relationship of an idea that emerges into the conscious mind from the pure potential power of the soul to create ideas, or we might call the pre-intelligence intelligence within the super soul. When I say super soul, I mean the soul as it is above our consciousness and our experiences right the soul as a she is still in her full purity as a as a simple power that is undefinable and therefore unidentifiable to us as opposed to our conscious faculties so the super soul's intel intelligence is is really called pre-intelligence but one reason i'm calling it intelligence it's because the 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 pre-intelligence but yet a force that will produce intelligence okay that's the idea so from the, we can understand that a, a a flash of an idea what makes up either one concept or maybe even our entire intelligence which could be put together from let's say if a person is a very intelligent person let's say they have a a a a library if you might say of fifty thousand ideas a lot of ideas you think about it i don't know if every person's got fifty thousand original ideas probably much less but imagine someone who's got a lot of wisdom a lot of intelligence but how can you compare that to an infinite pump that can produce infinite endless infinite concepts and ideas infinite insight so it's nothing so whatever comes out into the revealed intelligence is infinitesimally small compared to where it comes from. And that's why we understand that the Torah is called novlos. Torah, the Torah is called the dropping of the Chachma. Chachma Shalomayla, the supernal Chachma, that's the Chachma of Keter. That's the wisdom of the Orient Sof. That's the predefinable Chachma. From there, sort of like spits out. And we learned last week, that's why it's called Vizarach Niseir. It comes from the hair. Just like what we can imagine, how much of a person's brain power can actually 
squeeze itself through and come through one here tube. We will have to admit that it's, in Yiddish we say, garnished. Garnished be garnished. Nothing of nothing can squeeze itself through such a minute little channel, such a minute little channel of, of a hair, how much can come through. So the entire Torah is considered noivlois. It's one little drip. But we're not done yet. We're not yet done. On this level, that's the emergence of the Torah. And you know what that really is? That is like the energy of the Torah before you can see any words. Or you can even begin to see anything. Just like an, an idea when it flashes in its initial light, you don't see any letters. You don't feel any words in it. You just see a, you just feel a, you just you see an illumination. You were once in the dark and now you have clarity, but what exactly you don't hear words yet, you just hear an idea. After the idea kind of sits a little bit in the creative mind and it starts moving into the analytic brain, into the left side of the brain, which means it starts passing from the Chachma to the Bina, that's when you can start sensing words. There are words there, but the words were very subtle and they blended very much into the energy. What are words? Words are containers, definitions. You know, freezing, that frees the energy into a form. As opposed to the fluidity of the energy in its original form. And once it starts solidifying into letters, into chunkable pieces, that's the idea of letters, containers. So that emergence of letters, but that's the idea. When we start seeing the written letters of the Torah, it's a divine wisdom. But the fact that it's already being seen as words, and remember, let's not forget what we've been learning, that emergence itself has four stages. Because first it emerges as a song, as a pleasure, then it drops down into um, per, uh, vowels, which are the pronunciations, and it's becoming a little more solidified into the kamats, patach, uh, and when you realize each time it's descending, it's, it's an enormous downgrading of the energy. It's an enormous distilling of the energy as it descends from 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 a song it's like the initial flash is just a song it's a pleasurable experience then that song turns into a nakuda into 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 uh or we might say uh, vowels from the vowels it goes into um tagin which are the crowns and from finally from the crowns they emerge into real letters and words so it becomes a word that you can see in the Torah. So we're getting very, 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 very limited, 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 limited vision when we're looking at the Torah for what's really there. However, the example that he used, once it comes into letters, what you're left from the original infinity of where this wisdom comes from, he explained it's a little bucket, a little jug taken out of an ocean. Literally, a little cup of water compared to an endless ocean. But then, even on this level, the Torah is an utter mystery. It's utterly unknowable because it's still in a divine language. In order for it to translate into the language of a created world, beings even the highest of the high, 
in order for it to come down into a language translatable to the worlds, it needs to drop again. And it goes through an enormous tzimtzum. And that's, and what is the Torah? And that's the concept of the Torah Shabbat the written Torah, passing on its information to the oral Torah. That's already its interpretation to, into practical absorbance. And that, in Kabbalistic terminology, means it has to descend from Chachma, from the first of the Sefirot, which is the closest and first recipient of the Orin Sof, and it has to make its journey down through the entire world of Atzilus, excuse me, and pass all the way down to Malchut, which Malchus is the final stage, and then it becomes Malchus Peh, it becomes the speaking mouth of God, directing us in practical observance. And on that level, we start getting the four interpretations, the Pshat, Remnes, Drush, and so four different ways of, of this interpretation, of this flow. And in each one of them, there are 600,000 interpretations on Pshat, on Remnes, and Drush, and so as it's funneling its way into a revealable state of comprehension to, to the worlds, to the actual creations. But this transmission, from the oral Torah, sorry, from the written Torah to the oral Torah is again just a tiny little drop in the bucket. And that's the idea that Eliezer, going back to what I mentioned earlier, says to Rivka, after she has a bucket on her shoulder, pour for me a tiny little bit. The Eved, that's Malchut, the king, the, the servant, and it's saying to the source, it's saying to uh, Rivka, who's got the whole bucket of Torah Shabbat on her shoulder, and he's asking her, give me a drop. What we're going to learn next week is why is out of all people the one who is, drop, who is both drawing this bucket and then passing the drop down much lower, why is it Rivka out of all people? Like you would think it should be Moses, no? Moshe, he's the one who's <laughs> bringing the Torah. Out of all people, it's Rivka, she's a three-year-old girl. Like, you know, she's born actually in this week's Parsha. The last words the last few psukim in this week's parsha and parsha's vayera it's after the akeda after the binding of isaac it tells you all in the end how uh, rifka was born so it's pretty awesome that rifka is born you know we're, we're concentrating all at the beginning of the parsha avram sarah you know yitzhak is born it's in the end i'm not notice rifka is born but when you realize that rifka is the one who's bringing us the whole torah she's going up there with that bucket into the infinite light and drawing it and then she's pouring a little bit over to the Torah Shabbat Peh, the, the dynamics are just absolutely awesome. However, whatever we've discussed till now is the Torah as Torah is in its ordinary flow when it, when it comes through a certain system that Hashem has designed for it. There is the, what's called Seder Ishtal which means the order of evolution. So in the order of evolution, there's two levels of that order of evolution. There is the order of evolution as it pertains to worlds, to creation. When God creates the worlds, he dims his creative energy through a process of myriads of dimmers and filters and screens and diminishment after diminishment, fil filter after filter, distilling after distilling his energy until he creates a world. That is very, 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 very external to God. Very minuscule and really, really absolutely nothing. 
And then there is something higher coming from God, deeper, much higher, and that is his wisdom that he's sharing with the world that he created. That's the Torah. But the Torah also has a system of evolution. How the wisdom of God evolves and comes to enlighten the creation that God had already created. So God created a creation and then God shares an enlightening. In other words, God shares with the world stage two, something much higher. He gives the world the Torah, which the Torah, as the sages say, is it's higher than the world. In other words, he gives the world brains. Before that, the world is the world just of emotion. It doesn't have brains. And then God shares his mind, his brains with the world so that we can be enlightened and get a real understanding about what's going on and bring our world to its ultimate state. Fine. This is the world. and the, So this is the system of the way things are in accordance to this, 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 um, this system. Now we're going to learn, however, there is a state which goes infinitely beyond this. And what it does is it brings the Torah down to the world without its distilling of it. The Torah comes down to the world without its watering it down. This is an enormous power of, of dimming and lessening and contracting and filtering, and as we spoke, and distilling it less and less and less. But there is a a, an engaging state where we engage the Torah in a way, we engage God in a way where God is not emanating the Torah and allowing it to go through the system of, of, of the contraction, but God pours the entire Torah to us as it is. And yet, miraculously, we can receive him. So you realize it's like we're talking off the charts off the charts we're talking about bypassing this entire system of them dimming the lights dimming it first into the bucket and then from the bucket the second dimming all of that we bypass that whole thing we get the torah un uncontracted we get it as it is and how is that that's where the jewish people come in to enhance the torah and primarily that's what happens as we learned Sukkot, Shemini Atzeres, and that's the meaning of the rains that come, as we're going to learn today. Moreh Dageshem, the rain. And the reason it's very Gishmak and special to learn this today is because we are now in the rain season. First of all, it rained in L.A. this week. Right? It rained. But not only did it rain, okay, I'm talking about in L.A., it rains in many places. In Israel, it's the rainy season. And the month of Cheshvan is this man of Yeridas Kishamim. So much so, it's called Yemos HaGishamim, the days of rain. Winter is called Yemos. We're going into the time of rain. Well, there is ordinary rain, and there is the deeper rain. And we're learning now about the deeper rains. And we're still holding on to what we experienced in Shemini Atzeres is when we start to activate rain. The real meaning of rain is bringing the Torah down in a way where it's just being transmitted to us without its without its filters as it is. Let's read inside. Oh, so this, this concept um, is the upgrade, the difference of the Torah going through its normal possession, its normal evolution, and the Torah then being given to us as is. Obviously, we're not conscious of it because we, we, we couldn't handle it. 
But the fact that it's still being given to us, it's almost like God is planting seeds of his essential infinite wisdom, like a seed. The seed is 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 compact, it's all in it, but it's 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 a zip file. Everything is in that seed. God is like imbuing the entire infinity, not just a ray of him. He's giving it all over. That idea is this is the is the concept of us being of the of the Torah being upgraded from a state of betrothal. There's all the stuff that you remember from the earlier class, from a state of betrothal to a state of complete marriage. What's the state of betrothal? So we learned that when a man betrothes a woman, he's giving her a ring. By giving her a ring, what is he giving her? He's giving her a little bit of himself. He's shining his light upon her, but he's only giving her a ray of himself. However, when after she receives the chuppah, I'm sorry, after she receives the ring, the ring is called Kedushin. Soon in a minute, why it's called Kedushin, spiritually. Then she, by having that, she can now prepare herself for something much, 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 much deeper. The purpose of marriage is not that she should remain an external recipient of his, but that she should become completely unified with him as great as the distance might be and the gap between him and her she becomes completely one with him the vessels and the energies merge together completely the infinite and the finite merge together completely that's the idea of how can that happen if they're so vastly apart then how can they come together and become unified for that we learned to precede that unification of absolute oneness, which happens, the, the, the unification happens in their intimacy, in their marriage, in their intimacy, where they become totally one, so much so that they together are co-creators in a child, which means him and her are now absolutely become one entity in the child that they produced. So you see the complete emergence of the DNA, of the, of the essential DNA of him and of her, they become, completely one so what enables this to happen if we say before it's impossible she's she can only receive a little ring of his nothing more a little gift a little external ray the answer we learned is for that they first have to both of them have to step under a chuppah and when they step under the chuppah because the chuppah which is a canopy represents something higher than him and of her and that equalizes them so they're now in front of something that is beyond beyond the gap that exists between and her and her between him and her has been has been bridged not because it's bridgeable but because compared to what is beyond both you don't notice the difference between the two and that itself becomes that bridge and once you have the bridge now he can, can he he can give himself over to her. In a sense, the going under the chuppah humbles him and lifts her. So, at now, so how does that apply to the Torah? The Torah too has a, a male side, which we learned earlier, which is the written Torah. 
The Torah has a female side, which is the oral Torah, Torah Shabbat Peh. Chachma is the, is the male Torah, and Malchus is the female Torah. And now for Chachma and Malchus to join together, impossible. The best he can do is throw her a little ring. And those are, we spoke earlier, the two and a half million interpretations of every Pasuk of Torah is a little ring. It's not really capturing the Torah. It's nibbling at the external, 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 and not even getting even a nibble off a crumb. It didn't even nibble off one little crumb, like we learned. It's nothing. That's all that it is. It's trying to take from it, but not really much. But that's the most she can handle. The, the most a, a created mind can handle from the from the infinite intelligence of its creator. Yet, yet, in order to advance the marriage, but that's the betrothal. And that's why it's called Kedushin, because it's a little light from Kodesh. Kodesh is, Chachma is called Kodesh. A little light from Chachma coming to Malchut, Kedushin. He is emanating Kodesh to her. So he's sanctifying her. But now they're ready for stage number two. Chachm and Malchus, which means Torah Shabiksav and Torah Shabapeh, both go under the chuppah, under the canopy, which happens every Chag, every Yom Tov. And that's why we say, Vahasi Einu, give us Nesuyin, marry us together, which, in, which refers not just to us and Hashem, but also to the two parts of the Torah that get married to each other on the holiday. And once they're elevated in that marriage, in under the chuppah, then they reach the, the, the actual, that equalizes them, and now they're ready for the latter part, which is him to give her his everything. And that happens on Shemini Atzeres. Now, we don't have that. Every Yom Tov we have the chuppah, we don't always make it to the intimacy. The intimate bond with 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 the where the Malchut, where the Shekhinah receives the complete revelation and, and the entire lights of Chachma and what's beyond Chachma, as we're going to see soon, are, are transmitted to Malchut, into the Shekhinah, into Torah, meaning Torah Shabbat is completely funneled, as is in Torah Shabbat into the oral law that only happens on Shemini Atzeres. And which means the Torah suddenly is enriched with. You can't look at the Torah now like you looked at it last year. So I told everybody in Shul, go get a new Chumash. If you're reading the same Torah that you learned last year, you're so stagnant. It's stuck. It's horrible. The Torah is a living organism, especially after every Simchas Torah. It's like, it's wow. It's, it's pumping with new light. With It's crazy. I actually got a new Chumash. I, I'm using now this year the Steinsaltz as a new Chumash, and it's great. It's very not esoteric. It's a simple shot as you can, but I'm enjoying it immensely. Interesting little tidbits on the bottom. Um, fantastic. So this year, at least, I'm going to try to do it every day. It's a slow, much slower process than I'm learning the Chumash every day. It's great. So good to have a new Chumash every year. So that there is always, you know, you feel the freshness, you see the newness. In addition to that, stop for a moment and see what the Torah speaks to you today. When you never saw before, you can't get the Torah. There has to be. There always has to be something you never notice. Because it's true. It's, it's the, the energy flow in it is like crazy. And 
primarily that's after Simchas Torah. Let's read inside. In name of Olamayla, we're holding Siv Gimel. Behold, this is on page 190 in Lakute Torah. In Torah is explained earlier. The written Torah and the oral Torah called bride and groom, or, or groom and bride. And therefore, their relationship, everything that we discussed, which is the ordinary evolution from the infinite, from the Chachmas Dima, from the concealed Chachma. To the revealed Chachma, which is the Torah, the the written Torah, and then the further evolution, which involves a, 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 an enormous distilling from the Torah Shabiksav to the Torah Shabalpet to the oral is Kedushin. This is only the level of Kedushin, the Erusin, which are both both language that is used by the sages for betrothal. Which betrothal means they're connected, but they're not yet completely unified he is still much bigger than her higher than her and not a much and and, and therefore and therefore they're not they haven't become one commotion kedushin just like kedushin just like in the betrothal in the kedushin in the sanctification of the woman what happens all that happened was the giving of the ring of the of the kedushin which is by way of analogy, she dover muet. He gave her something. The value of a ring doesn't have to be more than a pruta. Pruta is, I don't know, in today's days with inflation, I'm not exactly sure what a pruta is, but it's not not a lot. Probably anywhere up to a dollar, maybe less than a dollar. It might just be 50 cents or 30 cents. I'm not exactly sure. That's it. So it's not like an expensive diamond ring. We actually don't use diamond rings, the minna. We used to try to use a gold ring or a silver or a silver ring, rather. Which is a small thing. So to this amshach, this I'm drawing down from Torah from the written Torah, which is the groom, which it is revealing itself it is opening itself up to the interpretation of the oral torah all it is is a ray like we said in the earlier piece the servant says to rivka you got the bucket you got the written torah you got the divine wisdom i'm trying to interpret it to my constituents that's what malchus the the, the servant who is really the king um like you see david amelech has mentioned last week is both the king, but he also calls himself servant because Malchus is both servant and king. So, it, it, the the to, to the worlds it's the king, to to the infinite, to the higher sphere it's the servant. So Malchus is, and what is a king really? He's the servant of the. Uh, he's really in service of his of his of his uh, of all of his people. Um. So um. So the servant says to. To Rivka, who's who's, she, she, who's in charge of the written Torah, he says to her, "Give me a little bit of water." That is drawn to the into the oral Torah, Nikra Kedushin. That is called only Kedushin, which, as we said, Kedushin means it's only a little a little ray. However, when it comes to the eighth day of Sukkot, which is the second days of the holiday of Sukkot. That we had less than a month ago, 
which at that time we don't we in addition to we, we pray for rain then it's a nice holiday but we also at that time celebrate the joy of the torah it's called simchas torah he's going to explain why is it simchas torah because the torah is then enriched with aranet simply we understand it to mean we are rejoicing with the torah it's our joy with the Torah. Now, why are we rejoicing on the simple level? Because we just finished reading the whole Torah. So we're happy with it. We read it. We, we think it's pretty awesome. And we say, let's dance. This is great. Let's try learning it all over again. And we start all over again. But that's the simple meaning. But that's why it wouldn't be called Simchas Torah. It would call, uh, you know, uh, Simcha say Torah, something like that. You know, it's our joy with the Torah. Simcha's Torah literally translates means the Torah is rejoicing. That's now we understand, because what's going to happen right now is we're going to move from betrothal to intimacy. So which part of the Torah then is happy? Vorala. So you think the Torah? So we would then say, who's dancing? Not the not the Sefer Torah. The Mishnah, the Talmud, they're all, you know, in shuls, no one's paying attention to them. They're all, Simchastar especially, they're all they're all in the bookshelves and we're busy dancing, saying L'chaims and having a good time, swirling and jumping and making. We're not really studying the books. Oh, but the books, we think we're dancing. The books in the shelves, they're they're leaping up and down. They are, the Torah Shabbat the oral law is excited beyond anything imaginable. This is her day of her unity. This is her day of her. It's crazy. It's the joy is like without an end. Ah, uh, but but if that's the case, why are we dancing with the groom? We should dance with the bride. Meaning, if the whole idea is that the groom is re that the, that the bride is now receiving the essence of the broom, of the groom, then it should be really her joy. And we're gonna say no, 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 because this enormous enrichment is not just to her, because of her. And in the merit of her, the Torah itself, the written Torah, gets upgraded a millionfold as well. He becomes enormously greater. Why? Because remember, we learned before that there's two levels of distilling. One is pre-written -re, pre Torah, and one is pre-oral Torah. When we are now saying that we're going to give it all, that the entire essence is going to be revealed, it's on two levels. The essence of the chachmastima, of the concealed wisdom, the essence of the ocean is going to be revealed in the bucket. So the bucket is now going to receive and concentrate in some uh, unbelievable manner the entire ocean of wisdom, of pre-wisdom of God. And this is of the keter light, of chachmastima. And that entire enriched bucket with the essence of the, of the infinite ocean is now going to be poured over to her. So both of them are rejoicing. Kassan and Kala, husband and wife, are both in an, an infinite joy. Now you'll say, it's all about a marriage from him to her. What is his, why is he upgraded then? So he's going to explain it now. I mean, we're going to see it soon. We're going to understand. And this is why we say, now, this idea that now there is a intimacy taking place is actually 
is not, shouldn't see all these mystical things are part of our literal practice, practice and observance. You know, it's even though we're dealing with the most abstract ideas that for thousands of years no one knew, no one spoke of. Definitely not regular people on YouTube. <laughs> no one discussed these 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 these, these secrets. You know, it's, it's awesome that we get to talk about these things. We don't even realize the craziness, how messianic the world is ready that we can talk about this. Um, but so notwithstanding, also, yeah, so these things are very, very, very high, very godly. It's the divine element of what's going on. It's the godly. It's the mystical. Yet, it's the meaning of the way we practice our halach. In other words, even though the people throughout all the years didn't know this, you might say, but they were still doing it in practical and action because the Torah, the Torah is a code. The Torah is an encased, hidden code. So you... So therefore what? The fact that halachically, on the eighth day of, of the Chag, we say Morid HaGeshem, we start davening for rain, it's not because, okay, winter is coming, we have to pray rain. It's because, no, that's what the rain is. The rain is this, because what happens when a husband and a wife and a man and a woman are intimate with each other, he gives her a drop of essential liquid, which in that liquid is pa is packaged his essence and how do you know that in that liquid just passed packaged his essence because he created a child with that it's the seminal drop that the man is transmitting to the woman which is his very very essence that he's giving to her and that's what when we're praying for god for rain we're not just praying for rain raindrops we're praying for god to be intimate with us for him to deliver now let's understand for a moment now, when we analyze this, this, this unbelievable bond and unbelievable attachment that happens in a in a in a, in a marital in a marital intimacy, you actually can see. We we said that. What are we talking about? We're talking about when you give your essence. So, generally, the husband the the man the groom he has his intelligence his mind what he understands what he knows and he might be an incredible scholar he might be an encyclopedia of knowledge and a brilliant person but all of his brilliance as we discussed earlier doesn't capture his his supermind the supermind remains elusive he himself doesn't know his supermind he knows he's yeah, because he's a brilliant person. He knows that he can knock. He knocks every time he starts thinking about something. He knocks at that pre-intelligence, at that pre-keter light in his own soul, and new ideas are you know, flash into his head. Some people they don't know how to knock, and when they knock, no one opens the door. Some people are very, very, very creative. There's always new ideas. Their brains are very fast. There's always flashing, but even when it's flashing, it's flashing only light. It's not delivering essence, it's delivering light. 
it's delivering a concept, an idea. So they have no access to consciously conceive, understand, and experience their very own essence, your very own pre-intelligence. You don't experience it, it, it's there, but you don't, it's and therefore, let's say he would sit down with his wife that he's now he loves her and she's his bride and he would sit with her all night long and he would share his ideas with her and maybe she would think it's very romantic and very beautiful and she would be enjoying the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of him is like whoa 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 but that's not the point why is it not the point that's not what marriage is about because marriage is supposed to go much deeper it's a bond where he will give her not his light, not his emanation, not his brilliance, but he will give her his very self, the self of his soul, which produces the brilliance. But how can he give it if he doesn't even know it? The answer is he can't give it through intellectual talk. Because that intelligence is just light. It's not, it's, not, it's not the substance from where the light comes from. Only God in his infinite wisdom enabled the possibility to transmit your very essence. And that is in the transmission that is given over from a man to a woman in their intimacy. Where is that seminal drop coming from? It's being drawn from the core essence of the person. And how do you know that? Because the child that will be born is not going to be born with knowledge, with information. The child that is going to be born is going to be born with a brain to create knowledge. And is going to be born with a soul that could be just as creative as the father and maybe even surpass the father in its creativity. But where is the child getting it from? From the father and the mother, but... But it's not getting it from the external part of them. It's getting them from. It's getting it from their essence. So here's the magic: a person doesn't tap his his own essence unless he's giving it over. And as when he when he wants to share himself, that's when he gets to experience it. And that's also the reason why a physical intimacy is so pleasurable. Why is it so pleasurable? Because you're actually opening up yourself to a level of your being, of yourself, that you never tap. In other words, we know in, when you have a creative idea, it, there, is, there is pleasure. It's a, it's why? Because whenever you're opening up for energy, energy is pleasurable, life is pleasurable. But you're only getting a ray of life, so you're only getting a ray of pleasure. The pleasure in an intimacy is so much more intense, the reason is because it's the only time you're actually capturing the 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 substance of your being and that is coming to revelation not in a revelation that you can understand it because it's beyond understanding you're giving this giving the source from where wisdom comes from the source from where emotion comes from the source you're giving yourself we see literally that in this transmission there is the there is the 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 this this we in our words in other words you're 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 the person is now transmitting from their keter not from their revealed powers from their keter which is their essence 
And that's the meaning on a divine level when God is giving himself to us. And that's what we're asking for. That's what the rain is that we're asking for on Shmini Atzeres. So this is on a whole different level than anyone has ever, ever thought of. Now let's read inside the drawing down of the rain. This is the drawing down. The droplet, the droplet, this concept of drawing down the S, the essential seminal energy of the divine. From what? It's called drawing down in Kabbalistic terminology, Tipas Mad. The drop of my Mad is an acronym for Mayan Duchen, male waters. Male waters means this juice of the essence. Kamaimer is all, and now one will say, what is it with rain? Rain is liquid, and that's liquid. What's the connection? You see that the sages, they, they, they encased and camouflaged all the secrets in their simple talk. Like you can read the Talmud and totally miss Obviously, you could. People have been learning the Talmud for thousands of years and totally missed this. Until this big red book came along and said, <laughs> there's much more there than you think. Obviously, not just this red book. Other great mystics also learned that way and saw deeper. But in any case, the sages say regard, regarding rain, when the when the groom goes towards the bride, which what it really the sages are using it in the term that when rain is falling, and you see two bubbles start that are formed when rain falls and there's a lot, it creates bubbles in the in the puddles, and when two bubbles come together and they because of the enormity of the water and then they both bust the the. The sages use the term that the groom and the bride are coming to meet. Now, why are they calling it a broom and a bride now? You see that they 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 knew the secret that the, the real the deeper meaning of the rain is this transmission of groom and bride. There's a wedding taking place over here. There's a there's a like it says in Arach. However, in preparation for this enormous revelation, what did we say? Because he is so greater than her, how can it possibly be? What we're basically just mentioned is that the human and divine merge. You're getting a hybrid of God and us. In the more mystical realm, it's the source of creation, which is us, Malchut, and Chachma, which is the divine, which is the infinite, are marrying together. Which means they merge together to be absolutely one. So that is impossible. Now we first have to appreciate how vastly impossible it is. And yet we realize that even though it's impossible, it happens. But how does it happen? They have to go under the chuppah. Before this unity, there needs to be a, a going under the chuppah. And what is that? Both of them together are elevated. The written Torah and the oral Torah, both of them together, go up. They both ascend into the Saivev, into the infinite one. Saivev Kalalman means the encompassing light. The Kame, because in front of the infinite, in front of the Orisov, Chachma, which is the male, and, and over here he doesn't say, 
Malchus, but he says Va'asiyah and the world of Asiyah, which is Malchus, because Malchus is the source of 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 Asiyah of action. So Chachma Va'asiyah Shavin are equal. In front of the utterly infinite, both are equal. I am Bezoya Bereishis Davches. Hitchenamaz Shav Bezoya Dachup and then is that okay? Kalkoit Chub. And this is what we say during the festive holidays. Vahasienu, marry, marry us. In other words, take us under the chuppah. Oz, Oz, So then, through this, through us having this experience of chuppah, then there can be such a intimate unification which means a complete giving over but not giving the external of where he is not giving his externality he's giving his essence not only a ray which is the first stage of the marriage which was only a ray on his clear the indian and the ideas as follows now he's going to explain this, what we've been talking about. The Indian. What does it mean in Torah? What does it mean, a unity between the male and female aspects of the Torah? The ordinary flow of how Torah evolves is it goes through these powerful filters and what is emanating from level to level is only a ray and only a tiny little infinitesimal ray that's the way it works it becomes diminished and diminished so much so that we say regarding the torah that it's only noivalized it's only the backdrop what falls like from a tree like a few leaves that fall down that's all that it is so but now we're saying usually that's noivalized but when you have yichud a yichud means you're not going through the normal system. The yichud means that chachma which means the chachma of keter, the concealed chachma, not just chachma vatsilus, but chachma shalomaylo mamish, the chachma itself. From her very substance, from its very substance, is being given over. Because we explained earlier, why is Torah called only novlos, external droppings? Because the coming into being of Chachma, of the world of emanation, of the world of Atsilos. Hanikra Torah, which is called Torah. Torah is the revealed intelligence of God. But where is it coming from? It's coming from the pre- the pre-revealed intelligence, which is the super-intelligence, from where intelligence comes from. But the way it evolves from that place, from the higher level of Chachma, from the concealed Chachma, which is higher than the Torah, which is referred to as also as Chachma, but not Chachma meaning wisdom, but Chachma higher wisdom. And the way one emerges from the other, is to an enormous quantum leap. It's an enormous jump. And therefore, the medium we learned is only through hair tubes. Requiring a transmission through tiny little hair follicles, hair, hair tubes. 
But the substance and the essence of the concealed chachma is never being given over, is being kept to itself. By way of a phys- an example that we can relate to from our human experience, by a human being, our intelligence, in comparison to the power to create intelligence, which is, as we said before, we don't know that at all. We know it exists, but we don't know what it is. And therefore, the 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 moving around, the moving about from beyond the intelligence into the revealed intelligence is considered yashmeyayin, something from nothing, because the the something that came has no clue what its source is. She'ain etzem the essence of the power of the intelligence, or when I say the essence of the power of intelligence, meaning the power that creates intelligence, that essential power is not revealed, is not drawn at all, is not revealed and not drawn out at all into the revealed intelligence, that which is coming about into actuality. And it's not like, this is what we discussed last week, it's not like the relationship between the intelligence and the emotions. We're over there. When intellect flows into emotion, they are linked up in a way where one flows into the other. When you're experiencing an emotional excitement because of some idea or something that you've learned about or phenomenon that you found out about that got you excited, we can see and identify a continuous flow between the between the idea and the emotion. We can see it's not something from nothing. It's very clear. Where is, you can speak about it and say, where is my excitement coming from? I know I got excited because I read that book. I I I I I, I took in that information, and now that I had information, that information, and I say to you, read that book, you'll also you think I'm crazy because you didn't read the book. Read the book, you'll also get excited about. It. Right? So what does that mean? You can trace the excitement into its origins of of the intelligence of the book. The information produces the excitement, so it's not something from nothing. But when it comes to an, a concept flowing from the pre the pre, we know it comes from somewhere, but we have no grasp in that at all. It's called ayin. It's called nothingness. Um, um. However, that is all. So it would seem like. Our super super selves, our higher super selves that are not our in our, in our conscious, is is inaccessible to us. Yeah, always. Besides, in one in one way where our super selves does emerge in a very potent, powerful emergence, and that is in an intimacy. The drawing of the drop, from a father. Which is to create a child, which is during Hanim Shech is Gamkin Mahamoach. We're over here as well. It's really coming from the brain. Um, because that's the where the where it originates, as we can see that a person's physical excitement in a in a in a in a, in a intimacy has to there has to be a mental focus. Without the mental focus. It doesn't. It doesn't happen, as it is known. And over here, someone will wonder. 
You mean to say that a teacher and a scholar who is teaching and writing the most um, um, brilliant essays and 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 an orator and a teacher that's giving off the highest levels of wisdom that's considered only a ray and nothing but the physical substance that that that, that is so earthy and so physical that is higher and he says yeah even though it's physical nevertheless it is captured in it it is enclosed in it that's why it's the only substance you can use to create a human being you can take all the ideas in the world collect them record them write them and put them down and you're not going to create and with all of that you're not creating a person create a person you need that physical substance and you can create a person today's days they even have artificial insemination but you have to get the the the, the seminal uh, thing you have to get it from someone's brain and then it can it can be used to create it because only over there it's god's magic and how he enables that to happen it's not a ray at all it's not just a ray and what's the proof because an entire human being is going to be created and the human being is going to be created not just as a as a as a conscious being with ideas quite on the contrary the baby is born doesn't have any of that, any of that but what the baby does have is a mind not yet developed but it has a brain which eventually is going to grow older and is going to be exactly like the father in producing ideas if the child will use his head a child will be born with intelligence and emotions and so much so who will be similar to the father and he's not only gonna have the intelligence actually that he doesn't even have at all if a person has a whole library of information in his head his child is not going to be born with that library if the father knows you know shakespeare in his head or knows the talmud in his head the child is not being born knowing the talmud but what he does have and what we can see children a bright person it's very likely that their bright genes are going to go over to the child. That's essential DNA. That is going over. And that's capturing the essence of the father's powers. Not its, not what it produces, but the, pro, the producer itself. And that's called the, the, the substance of the power, not its, not its production, not its weight. <laughs> It has the very substance of the power of the intelligence, Mamash. Like the father. Not only a rain. Like when, instead, if, if, so really there's two ways a person can transmit from their brain. They can transmit to, from their brain by sharing ideas. That is what's, what he calls over here, but, but here's the idea. Even if you're going to share with a specific student a ton and a ton of ideas, you're going to give them constant more and more and more and more and more. And, more, and the student doesn't forget, accumulates all these ideas. The student will still never have the brain of the teacher. 
But the same teacher produces a child, even if he never studies one word, one word with his child and doesn't share even one idea with the child. The child has a deeper connection to the, to the teacher by being a child of the teacher than the student has of the teacher. Because the student has only the ideas, the rays of the teacher, and none of the substance. Substance doesn't go over. Substance goes over in, 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 in the procreative process. That's when substance goes over. And watch this. The Alter Rebbe over there explains. This is wild stuff, what I'm going to share with you now. The Alter Rebbe in tiny explains the difference. This is the concept, the difference between angels and souls. Angels are created by God's ideas. They're like students. The celestial beings, enormous. They're bright. They're brilliant. They're awesome. They don't have any of God's substance. The souls... That's the seminal drop itself of God's essence transmitted. It's his child. That's why the souls are called children. And that's the reason we come in a physical wrapper. Just like the highest and deepest transmission of a person's essence comes in a physical, in a physical substance, in a physical thing. It's like, and it's like, yet is its value is unmeasurably more. Then the value of, of the ideas. That's the idea. So one soul has infinitely and endlessly more value than all the angels put together. Hope the angels don't hear that because they'll get very upset at us. And they explains over there. The tipa, the substance of it, comes from the essence. That's what the Alter Rebbe explains over there. Why Nishama's souls are, you know, off the charts higher than the angels. The kach yovanim sholamaylo, but the same is understood above. The concept of noivlois, the droppings of the higher This, the ordinary flow of Torah wisdom. That's see now we get an understanding. The ordinary evolving flow of Torah, evolution of Torah wisdom is like a teacher teaching. So the way the teacher teaches, the essence of the teacher's mind remains above. The rays of it. No, first of all, the essence of the teacher remains even above the teacher's mind. Re revealed bank of information. The, the, the teacher's bank of information doesn't come close to the power the teacher has, the substance, essential power to produce knowledge. And then what the teacher is teaching to the student is definitely only a ray of the teacher's mind. So here you got the two rays. The teacher's revealed intelligence is only a ray of the teacher's potential. And what the teacher then can take of their own knowledge and give to a student is less than what they understand on their own. So these are the two levels. And that's the Torah. First, God has to conceive his own Torah. These are the ideas. That's the Torah Shabbat Shabbat. And then he has to transmit the Torah to us. It's again two times of the minute. That's, that's the ordinary Torah. And that's, and that's the process of called Noivois Chachma. But in Shemini God is pumping out his essence. So it's a complete different transmission. The droppings of the um, of the higher that is 
similar to what we said, it's like the emanation of intelligence from the source of Seichel, which is only a ray. And from there, and that's where, from that revelation, this, this, this diminishing, uh, this distilling. How? Because only a ray of it goes into the into the oral Torah canal. And this is called Kedushin. Drawing from the higher Chachma that's called Kodesh. But how does it draw? A little flash. That's the ordinary flow. When there is an intimacy, a Yichud, a unification of groom and bride in a Atipa, the droplet, it's root of roots. It's root of roots. What's being given from him to her is coming not from the not from the groom's revealed intelligence. That's nice for a date where he can share with her his mind and his innards. But now it's time for something much deeper. He's drawing of his essence of his being, his essence of his soul, his essence of his pre pre-conscious self. And not only the novlos, not only the dripping of it. This concept is discussed in Arizal, in Shara and Asira, with these words. Uses Kabbalistic terminology for this. The the essential brain, the erech anpin, which is keter, the long face, which is called keter, the which is really that we spoke about earlier, the concealed chachma. The, and that is being drawn, and who takes it? In other words, it's coming, the tipa, the drop is coming from the keter, it's coming from the preconscious, it's coming from the very substance of the soul. And above there, it's very from the substance of the infinite. And afterwards, then father and machma, and, and father and, and mother, I mean. I say father and, and, and chachma, like it was a funny way of coming out. In any case, the 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 father and mother, which is Rahman Bina, which means it processes afterwards through the intellectual mind, although it's not really revealing itself there, it's coming through it, and then it's being passed and 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 it's being passed on to Malchus. Then it goes down to the Za'ir Antin, which is the Chastan, the male, the Torah Shabiksav, and from there. It moves into Malchus, which is Torah Shabbat. That means at this time she's not receiving just a ray of a ray, she's receiving the whole deal. But over here you can ask a simple question. Since the whole coming about of the Torah, Torah we said before, is already the revealed intelligence of God. And that's the male, that's the male side, that's the, that's the, the, the groom. It itself only comes about through a ray. So how can he transmit to her the essence if he himself is not the essence? That's the question. If he himself, if the Torah of Iksav doesn't have the essence, he's only a projection, how can he transmit the essence that he doesn't have? So we'll see in a minute. 
only from the back, the dripping of of the higher Chachma, which it comes through here, like we spoke earlier. How can you say how can you say that the Yichud is coming from the innermost of the of the Chachma when he himself doesn't have that? And the answer is, yeah, he doesn't have it when he's a teenager, he doesn't have it when he's single, but when he's going to get married to her, he's upgraded. At the moment that he is going to marry her, he is upgraded into the essence so that he can start drawing from the essence. So where do we find he's upgraded? He, that's what means that he goes to the chuppah. The going to the chuppah is taking him into his essence. It's the pre, it prepares, it taps him to something much higher than his conscious self. This is the now. You don't need a chuppah every time before before a person has an intimacy with his wife. He doesn't have to go to a chuppah. It seems it's done once in your lifetime, once in the marriage, and it spiritually conditions the soul for this for this type of a transmission. Now, obviously, we all understand that the whole idea of this mating can be in a completely, it's just a biological thing that can animals can ha have it and have it produce children and, and people that are, uh, you know, just obviously. But on the spiritual realms, on the holy realms, as it's reflecting the divine reality, it's reflected in a marriage that is done according to Torah. So since and it's essential up there, it's not possible to have an intimacy in, in where the intimacy captures this, this transmission on a godly scale, unless we go first into a chuppah. So when we sanctify our marriages to reflect the divine and be, and be an actualization of the divine, we also follow the same pattern of going to a chuppah and only then, and that's why there's no intimacy in a Jewish engagement. You're not allowed to. There's no relationship. There's no... They, until there is relationship, there's getting to know each other. There isn't because you first have to go under the chuppah. Not just because it's nice, because it's religious, because it's modest, because it's it's because you have not, he can't give anything to her of his spiritual self. He's not giving unless he's going under the chuppah. Physically, yeah, they can, they, they can, they can be, you know, they can mate like a cow. But, 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 but to, that, that it's a soul connection and he's giving of his essence of his soul into her for that. He needs to go under the chuppah. And that's what creates it. This is the idea of the chuppah. Before they can have their, their intimacy. In which he taps the soul. He goes into the keter range. The chuppah is the elevation of him and her, both of them, into the keser that's higher than chuppah. And through him going there, he receives it. He taps it. Then there is a revelation from the innermost of the concealed Chachma, which is called Chachma Stima, the concealed Chachma, the Chachma of Keter, is then revealed and touches upon and connects to the revealed Chachma. The concealed Chachma and the revealed Chachma are hooking up. And therefore, the written Torah, which is the revealed wisdom of God, is nurturing itself is and enriching itself with an infinite enrichment of 
the pre-intelligent, once he receives it now, because he went under the chuppah, he's now giving it over to her. And from her, and from him, and from him to his bride, to her. And the interesting thing is, he doesn't get it unless the ultimate target is her. So because of that, he receives it too. So he can give it to her. It's a very, and that's why we see this concept. He doesn't say it over here, but it's discussed in other places where it says, go look at the king, go look at the king Shlomo. At the crown his mother gave him, on the day of his wedding. So the sages say that who is King Shlomo? It's referring to God. Every time it says King Shlomo in the Megill, in Shira Shira, in the Song of Songs, referring to Hashem. So we say, go look at God when he receives his, when he sees his crown. His mother is giving him his crown. But when is he giving it to him? When, when is she giving it to him? On the day of his wedding. So when we say God, we have to realize that he's receiving a crown. We're not talking about God as God is in his essence. We're talking about the, the Sephirot where God emanated himself into a certain state of definable being, which is called the supernal human. Now, that's the revealed powers of God, so to speak, the, the, the emanated attributes. He receives a crown, which means he taps a infinite essence of, of, of God, the, the, the godly projection is now enriched by the essence of God. When, that's the crown, but when is the count given? It comes through the mother. It goes through Bina for whatever reason. We're not going to get into that right now. But it's given to him when? Only on the day of his wedding. If he chooses to be single, he doesn't get it. In other words, if he doesn't channel it into the finitude of time and space into creation, God himself is lacking. Because the purpose is the final creation. He can't get away by keeping his light in the abstract. He must channel it down here. That's why there's, that's why there's so much hope for the world. This world will be in a state of, because God is not going to sit forever without his crown. He must bring it down here. Because only when he brings it down here, he receives it into our reality. And therefore, Kadmo, that's why. Now, since Shemini Atzer is the eighth day of Sukkot, is when this when this transmission takes place. And we said, wow, before you can do that, he first needs to receive it, so he has what to give to her. Like a man who taps his infinite potential before and as included in the intimacy. He has to first tap it and then draw it down to her. But what enables him to do that? The chuppah. So that's why before Shemini Atzeres, we all go under a chuppah, and that's the sukkah. The sukkah is our chuppah that we actually tap. That's why there are seven days of sukkahs. Now, along with a chuppah comes a seven-day festival. We all know that together with a chuppah, the chuppah is the first Sheva brachas, and then come seven days. So we, we, now an hour in a regular human marriage, the intimacy happens and should happen already the first night, even before the Sheva brachas is over. But in the, as it plays out on the cosmic scale, 
it's seven days of chuppah, kind of, seven days or at least of separate. The main chuppah looks like happens the first night of Sukkot, but it continues on for seven days because you might as well have the wedding already, the, the celebrations happening together with the chuppah under the chuppah. And then they go home together, husband and wife, and, and that happens on, on Shemini Atzeres. There's no sukkah any, anymore because now the sukkah was already drawn in. This that we've we've revealed the, the super the super soul into the revealed self. As it is, as we spoke earlier, when you draw that infinite energy in the intimacy. Yeah. Uh these are seven days of celebration. that are after the chuppah. And what happens during that time? It's all connected to the chuppah. Encompassing lights are then being drawn from the from the soul of Kalam and is then being drawn and enabling later the unit. And we'll see something else that happens in Sukkot. We know in Sukkot there's two parts to the holiday, the Sukkot. And another part that's major on Sukkot is the Lulav. The four species that we shake, branch, uh, plants that we take together. Both of them are, both the Sukkah and the Lulav is related to this. Why? Because the Sukkah we understand, that's tapping this higher infinite power so that you can transmit your essence. Your essence is, is higher than your consciousness. And that's what you're tapping and connecting to. You're rising up to a higher place. However, there's, but what's the Lulav? So here's the thing. Interesting. Marriage is beautiful, but it's age-restricted. We see that in actually the Parsha this week. Rivka had to wait. She had a little wait. Only until she was three years old she got married. But uh, Rebecca, it's biblical times, things were different. Three-year-old was allowed to get married. And Rivka was already on a level of maturity that we should be when we are a thousand years old to where she was when she was three years old. But in any case, um, what I mean age restriction is that in order for little children can get married, not just because they'll be reckless in their relationship, physically, we say that a person is not sexually mature until at least nine years old, at least for the men. At nine, nine is the age according to halacha where a person is considered he's able to have a sexual relationship. What is that? Because this process of drawing down from the essence, the, the communicator of essence from beyond consciousness into consciousness, into the connection to draw down essence into a revealed state is is the function of Das. Das is the function that takes the very super soul, the very essential being and bring, what's Das? Das means being very present, being fully focused, being fully here. That means a person has two parts to him. You have a persona and the persona are powers. And sometimes, you know, you can talk to someone, you can engage with another human being and you you can be engaging and you can and they can be engaging with you from their from their externality which means from their intelligence and even emotions you can talk and there can be some excitement but you can notice that they're not fully there and it's like you know all the time we have in our 
husband and wife relationships. We talk to each other, we share things that are happening, dinner, this, that, is that, it's all great. And it's, it's, it's a nice back and forth, and sometimes it can even be intelligent conversation. But in order for intimacy to happen, there has to be not just intelligent, there has to be focus of self. You, the person, the entire person has to be there. And that's why, you know, sometimes, you know, a woman will say, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you, but you're not there. You know, you're like, yeah, listen, I'm here. Okay, no, you're not there. I, I want you to be, I want you present. Present, that's das. Children do not have das. Das takes the power of das, of, of really focusing and being present and fully present. Children are spacing out all over the place. The ability to have das, it's, it's a certain development. Physically, it takes till your age of nine, das kicks in. Now, the lulav and the four minim are all about drawing down the spiritual quality of das. So therefore, we understand until we don't have the das developed and, and, and manifest, there cannot be this intimacy. So the sukkah is the ketar and the lulav is the das. And once we have a seven-day infusion of das, a maturity of the das, then now the age restriction has, the maturity has reached for this intimacy to take place. The gamma lulav and also the lulav and its species, is the drawing of das. A child cannot, cannot give birth. Because they don't have the developed das. And tipa, the droplet, comes from the das. Where do we find that? When the Torah describes any type of physical intimacy, the Torah always uses the word, he knew his wife. The power of das is pivotal for, for, a, for a marriage, for a unity. And then there can be the yichud, that's why right before the every day, the conclusion of the lulav, the last verse we say, we finish with Hashanahs, we go around with the lulav, we say, Laman das, kalamayar. It's, it's the word, that, it's all about the das. We draw the das for seven days, and the interesting thing is, Ashmini Yatzer, it's normal lulav. Because we have it already. We have the sukkah, we have the das. Now, it's time for then there can be the and this is hidden in the story of the Medrash where the Medrash says God says I send all the guests away now it's only me and you we're making a small meal it's us together that was it. nothing else, no one here it's private this is this very very intimate and inner drawing down and over here, when this is happening, this transmission takes place, this is not external, it's the ordinary rays of Torah that come to the world. Over here, the very substance and essence of Torah is fully transmitted and downloaded. Now we can understand, that we understand why it's such a joy. And it's not just the joy of her. Remember we said before? It's not just the joy of the Talmud, the oral law that's happening. He's happy because the, 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 the Chumash, the Torah, the scripture itself became infinitely enriched 
because he now received the essence which he didn't have. The Torah itself is rejoicing, and the Torah wants to dance. The Torah can't dance, so it needs a Jew to lend the Torah its feet. And then when the Jew lends the Torah, or even better, the person carrying the Torah and the Torah become one seemingly one seemingless body. They're one entity. The Torah is one with us. We are the Torah, and to, and, and 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 it is dancing. Is that, oh, so now we're going to stop for a moment. We're going to skip because there is a piece further than in the other mimer from the Tzemach Tzedek over here. The same mimer, actually, this mimer, this whole beer that we're learning already the last two weeks is printed, is here in Lukuti Torah. It's also in the Sefer Oira Torah from the Tzemach Tzedek, but in Parshas Bereshis and Parshas Chayasara, because in the end we'll see it's going to speak all about Chayasara. We spoke about it a little bit about the story of Yitzhak and Rivka. So over here, and over here it says it over here, that in other versions, this piece is actually attached over here. So, and I think it flows better if we learn it right over here. So we're gonna skip a little, then we're gonna continue with Sivdala. I'm telling you where we're going. Haga, go over to the next column. Now we're holding, we finished now Sivdalit, Siv Gimel. Now in deep in the middle of Sivdalit, Peridalit, um, there is a about a quarter, not a quarter, about a third of the way before the bottom of the page. There's a parenthesis, and the word and, and it says haga. Um, the first line on that, the first word on the line is the word hasimcha besimchas Torah. Hasimcha besimchas Torah. And there is a I can tell you exactly how many lines it is from the bottom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Nineteen lines from the bottom. The line begins with the word hasimcha, and we're a haga, with a parenthesis start. Pizza Yuvan, right? You have it. Nineteen lines. Go from the bottom, nineteen lines up. The line begins with the word hasimcha, and then you go further up the line, you see haga, hey gimel hey, and the parentheses. Yeah, now you have okay. Vapiza, you have an, based on this, we'll also understand Gamke Masha Omar Abba Binyamin. There was a great sage, his name was Abba Binyamin. And he said that all his life he prayed that that mitasi. That my prayer should be right next to my bed. What does it mean? It means that immediately when he wakes up in the morning, he should pray. That means he he prayed that God should assist him. That he should, I think that's what it said. I think it says he prayed all his life that God should assist him, that he should always be able to pray, do his praying, meaning the morning prayer, shacharis, the morning prayers, immediately when he wakes up. What does it mean? Not to get busy with other things. But it doesn't only mean getting busy. It means to negate not to study Torah before he prays. In other words, to pray first and then to study Torah. So, uh, and Rashi says that when Abba Binyamin said 
that I, I'm trying. I'm trying to make sure to pray. Rashi says that it means that he didn't not, not to eat a meal, not to sit down and have breakfast or whatever, but also not even to learn Torah. That he didn't want, even though it's permitted, he didn't want to study Torah before he prayed. take only to Davin to pray immediately. So now Tosos was a you know a commentator on the Talmud asks the question a famous base. Tosos says Veloya Daiti. Tosos says I don't know. Where does it say that you're not allowed to learn? We know that there is an end time for Shachas. All the three prayers of the day have its designated time, and you're supposed to daven within the parameters of when it's time to pray. But it's not that the, the time of prayer can be three, four hours from the morning, and you have a couple of hours until you finish. As long as you do it on time. Now, eating, we discussed in the Monday class, you're not supposed to be for davening, especially a major meal. I mean, you're, you're allowed to eat something, especially if you need the strength. It's, uh, halachically, is one thing, and the way Hasidic custom is, 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 to, is, to, is to purposely eat something so that you're not hungry when you pray, so you can pray with peaceful mind. But Eating essentially is a problem. Going ahead and starting to do a business or work, problems. But pray, but learning, no problem. You can have a shear and study. So Tosa says, I don't understand. Where does Rashi say that Abba bin Yavin didn't want to pray? What's wrong with what's wrong with learning before davening? So, but based on what we learned now, we're going to understand. It's not a prohibition. You can learn. But if you are sensitive to the quality of the Torah that you're learning, is it just a divine idea? Or is it in the Torah, God's, God's essence, like we discussed? Remember, we learned there's two Torah. There's the ordinary emanation of Torah as it, it starts off as a godly intelligence in the written Torah, and a ray of it comes down into the oral Torah. That's whenever you study Torah. But if you pray first, he's going to explain what does it have to do with prayer. Because prayer, the same thing that happens on Shemini Atzeres, on a cosmic general state, happens every day when we pray. We can have a little bit of the Shemini Atzeres, because every day when we pray, we can cause this marriage to happen. And if the, you've caused the marriage to happen, then the Torah you're learning is the, in, is the intimacy of, of, of this of this of this energy not the external energy so why in the world would you want to learn before you daven now if you wake up very early and it's dark and you can't daven yet you have no choice you're going to learn whatever you're going to take what you get but once you can daven already and activate this incredible intimacy and unity and then when you're going to be studying torah the torah that you're learning is 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 saturated with god's very substance of his of, of his brain, not just his intelligence, and the entire intelligence is being transmitted to her, meaning into the oral law. It's all, it's a, it's immeasurably, the Torah you're learning is immeasurably more potent and higher and endlessly greater. So much so that he was so vehemently opposed to ever studying Torah before he causes this supernal marriage. That's what he's explaining over here. There's no prohibition. 
Ella, rather. The quality of the Torah study that comes after prayer is much higher than Torah that comes before prayer. Obviously, this only applies if the time of prayer has arrived. If you can't pray because it's dark, because prayer has a beginning time and an end time. It has to be between the... Right? Indian, why is that? What does it have to do? Why does prayer have such an impact? So he says, the Alpha Pishan is bad, even though we explain that the Yichud happens on Shmini Atzeres on the eighth day of Sukkot. That's in general. There's one time in the year that the very day itself, the entire day, symbolizes this, this intimacy. Because every yomtiv, all the holidays are, are, are wellsprings of a certain energy for the whole year. So, for example, uh, Sukkot is called the time of joy. So does that mean I can only serve God with joy on Sukkot? No, we're supposed to serve God all year, God all year with joy. But from Sukkot, we derive the joy. Rosh Hashanah is the time of fear. So does that mean we don't fear God all year long? We do. But from Rosh Hashanah, it's the reservoir for fear. So the reservoir for the intimacy is Shemini Atzeres. But we can have some of it daily. And that's But more specifically, It is known in the writings of the Ari, that in the prayer of every day, the prayer is the yichud of male of of zun, which means male and female of the divine. Shehem b'chinas Torah shebeksavet Torah shebapev. These are the two Torahs, the written Torah and oral Torah, get married through this evil every day when we pray. Isn't that interesting? That Shmini Atzeres, in abbreviation, is the same abbreviation like Shmona Esrei, like Shin Men Ayin. I just noticed it when he said. It, it because both of them have the same even though you know, it's just an abbreviation but shin mem dot and two two commas on the top two apostrophes with the word with with the letter i in afterwards is both shmini atzeres and shmona esri because they're they they have the same indian the high new all day and the almost the same word shmini atzeres shmona esri very close to atzeres uh, what does it take to produce the yichud, what does it take to produce the why is Shmona Esrei the why is Shmona Esrei yeah, the, the, the prayers why is it the time of the unity because to activate the unity you need a an arousal from below no something has to stimulate the stimulation. So let's go Shemini Atzeres. What causes this deep intimacy between the infinite and the and the between our and the Shekhinah, between between Chachman and Malchus? What causes it on Shemini? We say they go under the chuppah. But why are they now getting married? What, what's happening? It was preceded by Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah and the month of Elul, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. All of that created what we call a sarusa de latata, or arousal from below. And it's also sometimes called feminine waters. 
It's called Mayan Nukvin. It's the feminine word. It's our teshuva. It's our yearning for God. That's what stimulates and that inspires God to get married to us and have this and have this unification. And so behold it, you'll say, well, only on Rosh Hashanah we only Rosh Hashanah we um we serve God, and only Rosh Hashanah we yearn for Hashem. We yearn for Hashem all year long, not just Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the ten days of repentance. We do it all year. No, but it's a very big difference. In order to stimulate essence, only essence can stimulate essence. All year long, we are serving God from our revealed parts. Our whole connection to Hashem is all external. From when I say external, I mean compared to essence, it's called external. It's deep, but it's it's more of a service of the revealed powers of the soul. The uniqueness of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the entire Tishrei season, beginning with Elul, is that we dig deep. And Rosh Hashanah, for instance, we don't talk to God with intellectual words. We cry a powerful piercing cry from the essence of our being, which is the sound of the shofar. It's a cry without words. It's all conveying this super, super, the powers of our being that are higher than intelligence. It's the yearning of the essence that provokes the essence. And once the essence is provoked, that allows for this marriage, which the marriage is the unification of essence to essence. So just like it is on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, which serves as a prelude and an instigator and a stimulator for this intense union that we have on so too, in a small little way, we have the Rosh Hashanah, we have the Tishrei experience, the Tshuva every day in the, in, during Shema. When we say, love God, your God, with all your heart, all your, all your soul, and then we continue, B'choma Odecha, which means with all your much, which means more than you are conscious of. It's with this power of Mesirat Nefesh, with complete self-abandonment in our love to God. That's what triggers it. When we say the Shema, this is what awakens This is what draws the Chuppah for us. And once we have the Chuppah, we can both get under the Chuppah and then we can experience such an intimacy. Now, You'll say, okay, we do it. No, this has to happen every day. Every day we re-stimulate this, and every day we cause again a union. Obviously, it's not on the same level like it happens on Sukkot and Ashmini Atzeris, but to whatever degree, every single day this reoccurs. Why do we have to do this every day? Because every day we have new potential to stimulate such a deep union. Why? Because every day we become a new being. Every day we become newly recreated. And we are, why is it so meaningful for God, our daily service? As we discussed, and we're going to see later in the, in the part we're going to learn next week, what really is most exciting to God is when we take what really like gets him attracted to us, in the first place, well, why he's infinite, he's bound to He enjoys unmeasurably the entertain. It's entertaining them. It literally causes deep laughter by God, whatever that means. When we t- 
take the dark substances of our lives and figure out how to serve God with them. A life that is so prone to, to disconnect, a life that is so prone to separation, a life that is so, but when we master it and we manage to take physicality, which is which has such a gravitational pull to pull us completely into material materialism and away from any, and yet we use the material itself and transform it to serve God. It's so unbelievable and using to God, and that's what excites. Now, every single day, we have new, our cells are replenished to a certain degree from the food that we eat. So every day, there's new physicality, there's new material stuff inside of us that we can convert that energy to godliness and thereby shoot up what's called feminine waters to stimulate. So therefore, every day we can have this, every day we can, we can, we can bring about this intimacy. And every day we need to bring up these, this what's called man, feminine waters. From that which we picked up from the refining elements that we pick up from the klipa. Because the world is full of klipa, shells, cover-ups on God. And when we crack those klipas and extract the sparks and we elevate it. Through this infinite surge of love to Hashem. Which then creates the flaming fire, the sag of Samkhimu. Okay, it's these sparks of holiness when we return them up to their source and we know the source of these sparks come from the world of Tohu and the world of Tohu was like very intense, intense energy. And when we, because we're coming from a place of distance, from a place of far, and as a result of us extracting these sparks from a far place, when we finally release them, they become such incredible energies that stimulate like on the highest infinite places much higher than our reasonable uh, service of God that comes from the good side of us. It's tafka when we do that. So it's generally, we're going to see later, it's the balchuva elements. It's the repentant elements. It's the dark stuff in life. When they get converted, that's the jalapenos. That's the enormous like thrill that like gets God kicking uh, and creates this attraction for us, from, from him to us, to love us and be intimate with us. If the time of prayer arrives, and you're not davening. In other words, the time of prayer arrives, you're not praying, which means you're not going to stimulate this, this intimacy. And you're not going to draw the chuppah. And the consequential unity that comes after the chup. And you're going to leave the Torah as it is. And you're going to study Torah. But you can learn Torah as it is. Comes out at the Torah that you're learning. It's only the drippings of the backdrop of the higher wisdom. It's the distilled version of Torah. The inf- It's also awesome but you can't compare it at all to this fiery, intimate Torah that we're talking about. This Hasidic Torah, this like, that which is flowing of the Torah on its own. And from it to the oral oral Torah. You're going to get this, uh, this, this slow, you know, filtered Torah. It's a filtered Torah.
Not, it's still great because you're getting a betrothal. It's what we said, that it's the ring, <laughs> but that's about it. But if you preface your, your Torah study by first saying the Shema and then davening, and you create this unity, the Torah that you learn afterwards, in the Torah is the revelation of the supernal Mamish, the and not just the backdrop drop of that. We turn over the page. Watch this. This is the concept of when we say you're supposed to study Torah for the right reasons, without ulterior motives. The simple meaning of, it's a very important idea amongst Torah scholars. We know that someone, there's different ways of learning Torah, and the purest way is to learn Torah lishma. Learning Torah shalom lishma means learn Torah for ulterior motives. So the simple meaning means exactly that. Ulterior motive. That means if you're learning Torah just because you want to be a scholar, just because you want to earn the community's respect, or just because you want to show everybody that you know better than them, or just because you enjoy it, whatever it is, you learn the Torah because it's whatever, it, it serves some kind of, or because you're going to make a, you're going to be a rabbi, it's going, then you're going to make money off of it, and so you make a living. Oh, these can be all these reasons when a person studies Torah. That's called Shalol It doesn't, yeah, the sages say that even though it's not desirable, such a type of a learning, you're not interested in the divine connection. You're in, yeah, you should do it. Why should you do it? Because when you learn Torah, for not for the right, eventually the, the Torah, you'll ingest the Torah, and the Torah will ultimately open you up a little bit more spiritually that you can feel the precious, the true preciousness of Torah. So you won't learn Torah for external reason. You learn Torah because it's so awesome to learn Torah. That's the simple meaning. The deeper meaning is learning Torah lishma means learning shalom lishma means to learn Torah for anything but the Torah itself. Learning Torah for the Torah means to learn Torah for the Torah's sake. What does that mean? You're learning the Torah because the Torah needs you, not you need the Torah. You want to give to the Torah. Now hold it. The whole Torah is the Torah is teaching us. What do you mean? Torah is God's wisdom. It's teaching. What do I mean? I'm giving the Torah. Nah. If you learn Torah after you pray, you're causing the union. Then you're pouring God's essence into the Torah. That's an infinitely higher learning. So the Torah is, like we said earlier, Simcha's Torah. The Torah is dancing because the Jew learned the Torah and is drawing God's essence into the Torah. So that's the real meaning of Lishma for the sake of the Torah. That's why it says Lishma for her sake. And that's also the meaning what the sages say that you're supposed to make a blessing in the Torah. Before you, before you study Torah, you're supposed to say a blessing. Simply it means you're supposed to say a blessing. And I'll allowed to learn Torah without a blessing. The deeper meaning is a blessing means to draw down, to open the, up a flow. Baruch Hu Torah means to bless the Torah, means to draw light of the divine, not the light, the essence of God. Torah is divine, but it's a divine emanation. You want to join the divine essence, let God's essence flow in the Torah. Baruch Hu Torah and like it says elsewhere on the verse, God says, when you're learning Torah, God says, it's so sweet. Your voice is so sweet and pleasant. Why? Because it's talking about this type of learning. 
Because when the Torah is studied on this level, there is such pleasure in the Torah. It's just like we said before, in an intimacy is infinite pleasure. It's, I mean, it's in God's intimacy, it's boundless, infinite pleasure. The revelation of the supernal pleasure, which is clothed in the concealed chachma, which is so much greater than any kind of intellectual type of Torah. From over there, we'll be able to stand. So this was the ad that I added on. Now we'll go back and we'll learn the meaning of the words now. Why on Shmini Atzeres we say, This essential transmission of God's essence into the Torah and of Hashem's essence of his wisdom, his essence of his intelligence, into the Torah, how it's contained in the words, that's what, and this is the concept of the rain comes down. We start saying in Hashemini we don't end, we continue, which means we can continue this 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 deep Torah throughout the year, like we just thought we can do it every day to a certain degree. He's now going to show how it is compared to actual rain. We were saying that rain was just a symbolic entity of symbolizing the 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 procreative substance, the the semen or whatever. Now he's going to show you what it has to do with actual rain as well. Because when rain comes down on the earth, rain reflects the same idea of the juice of life. Why? Just like from a seminal drop of a human or an animal, whatever it is, creates a baby. What does the rain do? The rain is the, it says the sky, the heaven is the husband and earth. Everything in the world is male and female. So the heaven is male and the earth is female. And they have, they have an intimacy. And the rains are the transmission of the heaven to the earth. And what happens? A baby is born. What are the babies? All the plants, all the food that we eat. Everything that we eat, all new birth, new life. It's coming from this transmission of husband and wife. Satiates the earth. And gives and makes it be born. It gives birth like a like a woman giving birth. Vigam, that's one reason. So therefore, Moirida Geshem, in rain you see the properties of this deep type of a transmission. Vigam, and another idea. One of the things about rain, rain is drawn, drop, drop. The other way water can come down. Is if the sky would open, boom, there would just be this tremendous drop of a bucket of water. Imagine that. Like the whole imagine someone on the roof when it's around the other day. I was I went into a building just two days ago and it was raining. And as I went, like shh, I don't know, like a puddle off the roof, like the, almost like the whole puddle hit me. Actually, it wasn't as bad, just but I got like a shot of a, like a, it was more than what you feel when rain is falling on you, because rain is drip, drip, drip. This was like a a piece of water, a chunk of water, like so. God, when God delivers the rain, He doesn't deliver it as chunks of water. He delivers it as little droplets. But what does that? That's because there is a certain power of gevura. 
It's God's might that is involved. You would think if it's mighty, it should be like, like oh, taking a bucket. No, might means restraint. So it's the restraint that God holds back that allows for the water, like in plumbing, you can have a shower and the shower can go, but you put a shower head. And what does a shower head do? It takes the otherwise flow of water that is not, that is not droplets, it's just one flow, which would be too much, which spray, it would like hit you like really strong. And then it comes through the little, which is basically a, re, a strainer. What the strainer does, it holds the water back and, and, and splits it into the tiny little pieces of water, crumbs of water, which is where you get the spray. So that's how rain comes. So there is the power of Gevura. It comes the Yitzchalkos. And that is why we find that in, even in biblical terminology, rain is sometimes called hair. Sa'ara is to hair. Where do we find that in Pasha Sazinu? Second to the last Torah portion. Moses says, Moshe says, when he's singing the song, he says, let my words be, simply means like light raindrops on grass. Kisidim means light raindrops algon. What does he use the word seirim? Seirim is the same word like seir, like which means hair. Like hair, um, because just like hair is also a energy from the brain, but the way it comes is, we spoke, in each individual here is a tiny little bit, and we know that each hair has its own hole in the head, a hole, has its own like, yeah, minuscule little ditch where the hair comes from. I call it hair follicle, I'm not exactly sure what they call it. Uh, like they hear the head, each one has its own little uh, insertion where the hair goes. As the Talmud says. So what is this telling us? That the same is, we're, we're talking about such a powerful, enormous, incredible, incomprehensible transmission of God's essence. If it would come to us as is, it would completely destroy us, overwhelm us. So the way it has to come to us is by tiny spigot. It's so powerful. It's so enormously potent. It can't come. If it would come, it, the only way it can be received, and you see that in, in the creation of a child as well, when the man is pouring his essence to his wife, in a sense, he's giving his essence, it comes as a, just as a drop. That's it. It cannot come as an overwhelming shower of, because that would be too, 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 too much. And that's the gavura, and that's the that's also the. It actually is the, the transmission is with enormous power of restraint. It's a transmission, and it has a it has a yet and a no to it, and that's the idea of the restraining. On one end, it's a chesed, it's a giving over. On the other hand, what's more powerful over there is the restraining of it, and that's what allows for for this child transmission or, or procreative energy to pass on. The afapi, and even though. But he's asking the question, but he's going to be stuck with it. That's the concept of it having Gevura. It's coming drop, drop, the essence of God's transmission to us. But now he's holding hold. If we're going to say that it's like hair, didn't we say earlier that we want to distinguish between the ordinary flow of Torah, which is coming through God's hairs, which is only noivlois, it's only an external ray, to this very deep em emanation, which is coming like which is which 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 is not the it's not the distilled version it's the whole thing so it should not be coming through a hair the hair represents it being just 
nothing, just minuscule of nothing. So he says, no, there's two types of hair, meaning there's two types of transmission in there. One element of transmission in the air means I'm keeping everything back and I'm only allowing a little external ray. How much is the ray compared to the source as much as energy as goes into a hair? That's one idea of here. Another idea is that no, I'm compressing my entire energy, but because you can't receive it, I'm compressing it through a hair. That's a whole different thing. So in mysticism, there's two, there's two ideas in here. Sometimes the hair represents a very diluted transmission. Sometimes it's the most intense transmission, but because the recipient would never be able to handle it, it must be concentrated. Concentrated is very different than diluted. The and even though even though the hamshacha, the drawing down of the masculine waters, are now that we spoke about earlier, is coming from the innermost, not from the external of the supernal wisdom, which is higher than the ordinary transmission, which is called sa'arais, which is here. Nevertheless, it must go through here. What are they? They're the supernal mazolis. They're called mazol v'noitzer v'nake. There are two mazolis, which are two strands of here from Keter, whatever that. <coughs> They're called a here of God, obviously. I mean, obviously, what I'm saying, obviously, means it's so high, it's endless. But there's two of them. One is noitzer and one is nake. Noitzer is the here from where Chachma takes. And nake, noitzer is the eighth the eighth one of these 13 attributes of God is called Venotzer. It means simply it means he guards, he guards kindness, Noitzer Chesed. And um, with the word Notzer, we once learned many times, if you turn it around, you get the word Sinar. Sinar means a, a pipe. So the Noitzer is the hair of God, which is the pipe through which the flow of energy flows. And the last one is Venake. Now, like we say when we say Hashem's name, and we the last word we say, v'nake. So the word v'nake, which means and he cleanses. That's the last one, thirteenth. So the word nake also means a pipe, because when you turn the word nake around, you get the word kane. Kane is a reed. You got a pipe, a tzinar, and a reed. So it says like this: Chachma plugs in. Chachma, the revealed Chachma, the revealed Bina, are nurturing from two hairs of God coming from the infinite. So Chachma is from the, the eighth, and Bina takes from the thirteenth. What's with the other um, eleven strands of hair? I don't know. Live wire. No one is connecting to them. Be careful. <laughs> Whatever. Obviously, it's some force that's there. Um it's even though it's coming through the air, it's however not the diluted energy that's called hishtal shalut, the, 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 the reduced energy. It's coming. He's explaining it. He's from the Zohar. Behind Mazel and Talion, has two levels. There is the external of it, and then there is There's the inner, innermost. And that innermost, he says over there, is Pneumius Atik. We actually learned that beer a few weeks ago. We're there also, I'm not going to go back to it, but Tagal Nafshi Belokai, 
Over there, he explained why by Tagal Nafshi, which we talking about the flow of energy that comes dafka by the shofar, which is so much higher than all the mitzvahs, it uses the word elokai. Elokai means tzimtzum, because he explained, because from such a high place, it can only come through a narrow, very, because it's too intense. So it must be released just as a drop. So that's the other reason and comparison of it to rain. It's coming through these narrow channels, just like rain is like hair. V'oidzais, and another reason, which is very similar to the previous reason. The thing about even though it's coming drop drop, which re- represents restraint, there's another element to rain, and that is a powerful storm. In rain, you see gavura, but two elements of gavura. One element of gavura is withholding. That's why it is what drip drip. It's a spray. It's not a deluge. The second reason, the second element of Gevura regarding rain. Now, we know how do we know rain is associated with Gevura? We speak about rain in the second blessing, which is Atogibar. We don't speak about it in the first blessing, which is Chesed. Magen Avram, Avram is Chesed. The second blessing, which is Gevura, it's the main blessing of Yitzchak. That's when we speak about rain. Um, but, but another element of rain is not only the restraint, it's also the power of rain. Because when it's when it you know we all, we all feel the force of nature when the rain is coming, so that's indicative of this powerful flow of God's energy that is the real gvura of as he says the yordim gvura kachkam kenam shacha now the kavish beisha his gvura dati. What's what is um so unique about the physical intimacy between? A husband and a wife. What's unique about it is there's many forms of giving. You give, you share, you share thoughts, ideas, you share money, you share, you help people, your kindness, you run errands. It's all giving, but it's all like a very mellow giving. The giving that that is very, very intense, the most intense form of giving that, that is with such desire and with such force is the is the is the giving in an intimacy. So it's Gevura. Why? Because the essence is involved in giving. And that's another reason why it's called Geshem. Because Geshem also is God giving with passion, with fervor, with excitement, with, with force. And all the way in this supernal meaning, Kabbalistically, it's called Gevura the Atikyayman. It's the Gevura element of the Ancient of Days. That is enclosed in Mayach which is remember, we'll, I'll, I'll I'll remind you of this concept which we learned the 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 crystals of of the Hala the bedulcha the 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 do bedulach do this is the, the this is touching upon that the oidzois now that was already three reasons why it's so called rain I was giving a fourth reason the kamoi his just like the coming about of rain. How does rain work? The system of rain is that the first has to be a mist going up from the earth, a vapor. The, the wetness vaporizes, it goes up. And then it gets a little thicker, and a cloud. And then through the cloud, that's where the rain comes down. Also explain this type of a of a, of, of a transmission 
requires a little dating before that. It requires a little romance before. It requires a little bit of a, in other words, a man is not going to be intimate or whatever unless there is some something that stimulated him. There needs to be some level of seduction over here that seduces, that turns, that turns him on. And in our case with God, it's the same idea. Kach is, what did we say earlier? In order to receive such an intense revelation of God's intense Torah requires that we should get God excited. And how do we do that? Through our tshuva that we spoke about, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Before that, we create this, 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 this excitement. Our arousal from below and our tshuva goes upward and red, like literally like rain. Something goes up and stimulates the rain. So that's another reason where you see the comparison. He's giving you five reasons. So far we have four of why rain is indicates this intense. In other words, there is the Torah regularly and then there is the Torah being given with intensity. And that comes only as a result of the stimulation. And it's going up so high. And when it rains, what happens? Oh, now, he's going to explain another nuance, which I didn't notice when I was preparing it. What happens to, this, to the, this mist? Initially, when the mist goes up, you can't see it. Can anybody see mist going up? Really, sometimes you can see a very foggy day. Like by if you go next to Big Sur, go next to the ocean on these wintry mornings sometimes, you can really see. Like Even over here in LA, sometimes you wake up, it's fog, it's covered up, right? But usually we don't really see it, you know. But suddenly in the sky, it's a cloud. Why? Because when it rises, it's still very thin. And then somehow it gathers and gathers and gathers and it becomes thick enough that our eye can see it, dense enough, and it's a cloud. So what do we see? Something is rising in the darkness. So our whole experience of tshuva, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we're relating to God as God is mysterious, as God is dark. You know, as we're yearning for the essence of God, not for his light. That's the idea that our stimulation is reaching the clouds, it's reaching it's reaching God as he is above manifestation, revelation. And from that place comes from there is where the, the rains come down. The drawing down of the seminal of this drop. And now the fifth reason. So we have four. Again, let's go over the four. One is because the first reason he gave is because just like rain give birth sorry just like the seminal drop creates gives birth that was the first reason second reason it comes down like here meaning individually because it would be overwhelming if it would come down as it is just as a point thirdly it comes down with power just like rain comes down with power for the fourth reason is it must be stimulated by below and that's the just like rain has to be stimulated from below we stimulate an intimacy it's generally not initiated on its own. It must be stimulated from below. And fourth, and fifth reason we're going to learn now. There's this same idea of a mist turning into a cloud can be understood a little differently, but not, not related to what goes up, but related to the idea of how it comes down. When we're talking about... Um, um, a, a, a physical um, intimacy. We spoke about the seminal drop. Now, the semen of a person has a visible substance. It's very something very physical. It's physical. It's, 
but it initiates as a stirring of, where does it come from? First of all, it comes from the higher part of the body. We said it's some kind of a, it has something to do with the spine. It comes through the spine and it originates in the brain. But when it, in the brain, it's not a liquid of like a, like, like, like a sperm liquid, like a, that's not what it is. It's, it's very, very refined. But even more than that, that's the physical. In the physical, as we said earlier, the person is transmitting their soul. Not just the revealed powers of the soul, their essence of the soul, which is spiritual of spiritual of spirit. We're talking about the most abstract of abstract, something that has no definition, and yet it has this magical power of going down from being so abstract and to congeal itself into something of substance. All right? And so similar to that, you see that in rain. Because rain starts off as a very unseeable mist. You can't see it. The sun is cooking up the waters. You don't see it. But then it becomes thicker and you can see it. And then it comes down in its thick form as raindrops, which first was a more abstract. So it's the same idea. We're dealing with the deepest, highest, unfathomable essence of the divine and then comes down to us. Even though it comes down in tangible Torah, in ideas and fixed ideas, what's really the substance of it is the unknowable essence of God. Wild stuff. In the beginning, these, these mists or whatever were very thin. Very fine. Afterwards, they thicken. And they become a thick cloud. And a heavy cloud to bring down rain. Now was the same when the drawing down of this droplet. From the brain, gets thickened. Five reasons. Isn't that cool? And based on all of these reasons, this drawing down is called bringing down the rain. Now with the parentheses. But what's the wind doing over here? When we say, when we ask for rain, we don't just say, we say he makes blow the wind and then the rain comes, which makes sense because usually before it rains, it's a little windy. The winds blow in the clouds, and then it rains. But what is the spiritual meaning? So what he's saying now, I have no clue, but I'll read it anyways. In that mind, the truth is, if I would have looked up the mimers, we'd be taught this mimer, but this is like going back to Pico. This is at least uh, 17 years ago. I don't remember so well. And on that famous mimer, I think that was the longest class we've ever given. I think it was five and a half hours when we were teaching that mimer. In any case, it was like everybody was almost in body bags by the time we were finished. They were dropping like flies. <laughs> Straight, without a break, five hours. It was a Hanukkah, five hours. It was two o'clock in the morning. We started at, in any case. Ah, ein oira So there in that mimer, he explains, Torah is light. Is illumination is light is the is the lamp like the lamp but in order to have a lamp a fire even what's higher than the what what the fire needs oxygen without air the fire can't burn so therefore spiritually the air that surrounds the oxygen that feeds the fire is higher than the fire and that's the meaning he says of the word avir. In Hebrew, the word for air, breathing air, is called avir. 
Avir is the same letters as Or Yud, the light of the Yud. What does that mean? Yud is Chachma, is already light, is, is fire. Or, or Yud means the, 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 the illumination to the Yud, what's light to the Yud, which is the Avir, which is the hair. So as great as the Geshem is, which is the substance and the revelation of Torah, there needs to be the Das. Oh, let me make, 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 make sense, because remember we said earlier, that in order for a marriage to happen, in order, there has to be something that stimulates the drop to be transmitted. And that's the Das. Right? The sages say, you mean Das. If there's no Das, there's no physical excitement. Ain't the Chazal use a term in Kushi El Das? There can't be an excitement in 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 the in the male to only through a focus, only through Das. So the Das comes even before and even in a sense deeper even than the actual transmission itself. So over there he explains that as high as the Torah is, the mitzvahs create this are rooted in the. The, the das element of the of the keter that is even higher than the, and that's why the meaning is ner mitzvah the Torah or you need a mitzvah which is the the camp the, the lamp the lamp includes also the oxygen the air space in the lamp the lamp is not just the fire the lamp is the cup which has the space of the air inside of it to provide air and oxygen for the fire so. That's what we are asking for, even though we're saying Mashiv Moridageshem, we say Mashiv Ruach. Ruach and Avir is the same thing. It's the wind, it's the air around it. Or Avir Saviva Or, it's air that goes around the flame. Goirim Leheir Or, which causes the light to shine. Now, even though we're not talking about ordinary light over here, we're talking about the revelation of essence. Torah, Torah is light, but not a Torah of just godly ideas, but Torah of godly essence, but yet it's coming about in a manner of oil, of light, of Torah, of light. But there is the mitzvahs that are the stimulator of it, the ear that allows it to happen. The avir ayin ruach is the idea of ruach ayin shom ayin bezayir rakia par bepidish azayir chadosh al pashas bereishis avira delay. It's God's ear. Lo yis yada klal. What is utterly not known. Ad from it illuminates one point. In order to have the Morida Geshem, I'm Torah, to draw the Torah down, which is the Geshem, from the hidden brain, from the hidden mind. The stimulator is the is the is the is the mashe blowing of the wind. Avira the algabe kruma. The ear that's above the membrane of the brain, Shaboy Hadas the Atik. That's what I was mentioning. This ear is associated with Das of Atik, which Das can bring about this this transmission. God mentions my spirit will not be on man. When you have mitzvahs, eitz chayimhi, then you have both kimachiv aruach. You have the the, the wind. Anyways, so that's the idea. Again, vaguely something. and this is the meaning of We go back. We can't. We can't stop reading this line this year. Don't read it, children. Elo bonayich. 
Now remember, when we learned, we learned the whole discourse on this three, two, three months ago. Spent a whole bunch of weeks on it. And in the in this discourse of Torah Tziva Lanu, he brought that concept as well of Al Tikra Banayach Elah Now let's see. Here it makes it appears pretty simple. The verse says Shalim Rav LaAvi Sarasecha. What is it? Yishalom Bechelachem Zanech Almanachayrash. No, before that. Um, oh, all your children are students of God. So the sages say, don't read it. Your children read it, your builders. So what does that mean? Simply, is referring to the Jewish souls, which are called children of God. But we're saying the souls play a, play a bigger role than just being children. They are the ones who facilitate the marriage between the the Torah Shabbat, the written Torah and the and the oral Torah. They're the ones who cause. They're the ones who stimulate. What did we learn earlier? And in order to stimulate this yichud, we need to pray first, but we need to have the shuva of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. In other words, we need to reveal our essence, our essential soul. That stimulates the essence of God, and that's what enables this union to take place, the yichud to take place. So that's hinted to in the meaning of bonayich and boinayich. Bonayich is the fact the, the world of the woman, the world of Malchus, the feminine Torah is called construction. Because it says by Chava, when God made Chava, when God made Eve, he says, He built up the rib. He built her, he constructed her. And she's also the source of creation of the world, which the worlds are called a city. The worlds are called an empire, something you build. Now, since the Jewish souls are the ones who caused the Torah Shebiksav, the written Torah, to transmit to the oral Torah. So we are called the builders of that world, especially if we're not just allowing it to transmit on the slow, on the lower level, but we cause a total marriage between the two. So the transmission is for sure building her up, building her up, so building her up that she receives the essence of God's wisdom. It's like on a whole, but if that's the case, why didn't the Torah just say, why didn't the verse just say, Boinayich? It says, Sholem Rav. I'm sorry, uh, it should have said just, V'chol Boinayich, Lamudei Hashem. Those who study Torah, a Boinayich. Why does it say Boinayich? They say, just say, don't read it Boinayich, Elo Boinayich. They read it deeper. The answer is, in order for us to accomplish Boinayich, it can only be by someone who is Boinayich. In other words, only because we're children of God, which means we have this essential bond with him. Are we able to touch his essence and stimulate it and bring about this, this union? <speaking in Hebrew> the people who build up, and they draw forth the Torah, the oral law, from the Torah, building Malchus is called Bonayach. That's why we also refer to Kabbalistically. At the Rosh Hashanah, for instance, we say there is Binyan HaMalchus. We're building his kingdom. It's Binyan. It's building. What's their power to do this? Now, in the Lakuti Torah, it's printed wrong. It says, The power for them to do that is because they are Binyan. Thank God when I read it, I said, Nope, that's not what it's saying over here. It's Lefisha and Bonayach. They can do Bonayach because they are Bonayach. I right away sense that, but 
The problem is that the, this Lakuti Torah that we have now is already a very edited version and it's supposed to have fixed all the mistakes. And if there's a mistake, there's always in the back, it tells you, but it is already assigned to it. And over here, I checked in the back, nothing. And I was sure that it's, that I was feeling pretty sure that I'm right. But I couldn't argue on the book and I didn't want to stop messing around. So that's what prompted me to go look in the back where else this mimer is written. And that's what showed me that it's written in Oratoira Beratius over here. I looked around and I found it. Bingo. I was Usually there's a lot of mistakes here and no mistakes here. So I was so excited, I can't even tell you how much, to go get a pen and write in exactly what has to be. And that's all I found over there. So that at least someone knows that we learned this book over here. Not only that, but we wrote little Agos over here. It makes me feel very good. <laughs> Lefi, now the reason we have the power to do that is Lefi Shaham Bonayach, because we're children. And Shasharsham Gam came in Zivu Gufni. How do we have power to activate God's essence? Because we're his children, and children come from the essence. Remember we said earlier that the, the, the quality of the souls over the angels, angels are created by God's ideas. Souls are created from God's essence. We mentioned that earlier. That was the crazy idea why souls have this, because they're children. So because we are created from, and that's called in the Zohar, that's referring, angels also are created through a union. But it's called the a spiritual union. It's called the union of a kiss. When a couple are kissing, there's also a transmission of energy, but it's called external because they're just passing breath to breath. Breath, but not substance. Only in the physical union, that in the physical intimacy, when it's, that is a transmission of essence. So in the divine, these two elements exist as well. To create the world, there's also a unification of the attributes, but that's external, it's a kiss. It's a transmission that's considered external. It's similar to what I was talking about, a teacher teaching student. It's also a type of a communication, but it's just external compared to the essential bond that gives over in this. Which is the drop that comes from the innermost of the And That's why the sages say, that the Jewish souls have risen in God's thoughts. And, and, and what is God's thought? We explained earlier and last week, I'm not going to go to it now, that when it says Mashav, it means that level that he referred to before as Moyach Stima, the concealed, the, the power of intelligence that is higher than intelligence, that is still in the Keter, that's the essence, that's where the souls are registered. So if we're registered in essence, we can stimulate essence. The Quran is Barla'el, Ma'ub Mashav, what does it mean in Mashav? And therefore, be it is in their abilities to draw down this hamshacha from the innermost of the hidden chachma in the written Torah and in the oral Torah. And this is the meaning of now we come around the last bend. This is the meaning of. Moshe commanded us the Torah, it is an inheritance to the congregation of Jacob, 
of Yaakov. What does that mean? So he explains as follows. He named Russia, the word Morasha, Gam came Russian Yerusha. My Russia, remember, we said earlier means betrothed to. And in that sense, we can read the verse like this before we begin with his explanation. Moshe gives us the Torah. The Torah in, in its original form, that Murasa Kihilas Yaakov. The Torah that is in that is in a state of betrothal. Because that's how Torah comes. Moshe gives the Torah, in which the Torah Shabiksav and Torah Shabopeh is is our betrothed one to another. That's the sages say, don't read it Moirasha, which means inheritance, read it betrothed. Okay. Or a little deeper, we can say. Moshe means Moshe connected us to a deeper Torah. Moshe connected us to the Torah of essence. To who? Moirasa, because the Torah initially is only betrothed, and now through Moshe Rabbeinu Siva, through this bond that Moshe is empowering us, we can deliver into the Torah to take her from being betrothed to fully married. But what is the Kehilas Yaakov doing there? What is the congregation of Jacob doing there? Why? What's the emphasis on the kid? And if anything, it should have said Yisrael. If it means the Jewish people, why emphasize Jacob, Yaakov? So he's saying, uh, in order to activate this union on such a high level, we spoke earlier, the soul needs to first touch the essence of God. How do you touch the essence of God? By exposing your essence. Once you expose your essence, when a Jew exposes his essence the way we should, in a real way, we are, we are, our essence is divine. And if our essence is divine, means we have no will other than God, than our connection to him, and God's will is our will. Which means, in other words, to really activate this union on this high level that we spoke about, we really need to be on a super, super high level of connection, passion. So Abba bin Yaman said, I like to daven immediately when I wake up, because when he prayed, he was able to expose such a deep level of soul. And he reached a point where he had no other desire other than God. There was nothing. He canceled every desire. But those type of Jews are called the Israel. You say those Jews, they can activate it. But how about a regular person who's not on that deep level? A regular person who's living in the consciousness of the creation, of a separate being, who's not fully exposed as the divine essence, his or her divine essence. So how can he or she learn Torah on this level? If we can't activate it, we can't. That's the idea that he's saying it's an inheritance. That means since there are tzaddikim, there are Jews, there are holy people that are able to activate it, the rest of the Jewish people get it as an inheritance. Just like an inheritance, as we learned two weeks ago, is something you don't have to work for, but yet you get it anyways. Once this transmission is transmitted into malchut, it, it becomes available for all constituents of malchus, for all souls, even those that are Yaakov Jews, not, 
not not Yisrael Jews. In meaning to say, every soul is called a child of God. However, some souls, their child element is revealed, and some people, their child element is couched in a more external level of consciousness, which is called a servant. The difference between a child and a servant is that a servant is an independent entity. A servant is someone who has desires and wants, but he, but yet his master's desires override his desires. But he still has a separateness. A child is someone on the one end that's independent, but a loving, real child on a deep level is one who the parent and the child are like an extension of one, one each other. And therefore, the 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 the, the the passions, the drive of the father is the becomes the concern of the child as if it was his own desire, not like someone else's desire. I'm going out of my way for my parents. My parents' way is my way. So these are so there's two levels of souls. There are souls of people who feel that way. They have no other than they, they consider the foot of God. They are in a level of so those souls obviously. In their total, when they melt themselves away into God's infinite truth, they can be stimulators of such a deep essential bond and cause such an essential bond. But what happens with the rest of the souls, those that are operating like, just like servants, also good Jews, they want to do the right thing, they want to keep the mitzvah, but it's in a way where there is conflict and they still experience in themselves with an identity of otherness outside of the divine, a lower, a much lower level. Yet they receive it as an inheritance. for the usually Yisrael is referring to the higher souls that are called children, and Yaakov is the lower souls that are called servants. Shema Eli, listen to me, Yaakov Avdi, Yaakov, my servant. It's the difference of the way we are during the week and the way we are during Shabbos. In the week, we're all servants. We're Yaakov Jews, and Shabbos we are elevated to a higher level of consciousness. Neshama Yisera, and that is the level of Banim. Level of, of, a, of a son. The Indian and the idea is as follows. There are souls that are called children to God. That's the higher level of Nisham, called Yisrael, Israel. You have already overpowered the forces of Elohim. Elohim is what makes the world feel apart from God. Once a person has transcended the darkness of Elohim, you are no more a creation serving God, you just become an extension of God himself because you experience the unity of God and you're part of the unity. So you're just Hashem incorporating a physical body. That's all you are. People that have a lot reached that level are the very big tzaddikim that are just an extension of the divine on earth. The yesh, but there's a very high neshamas. The yesh neshamas and then there are souls that are called servants. That's called Yaakov. And also in the word Yisrael, you have the word Rosh. And in the word Yaakov, you have the word Akev. And Akev means heel, and Rosh means head. So the Jews that are on the level of head are much higher than the Jews that are on the level of heel. Now, the souls that are called head are God's feet. Because to God, they are the feet. They're, they are... To Hashem, they're called his legs, but to us, they're called our heads. They are our heads and they're God's feet, which means, what does it mean a foot? A foot is an extension. If you have a desire, your feet 
don't are not submissive to your desires, your feet are part of you. What you want, your feet want. It's automatic. So there are people whose God's desires is their only desire. Shabbatul mamish kibitul aregal. They are literally buckled like the nullification of the leg, legabe roish to the head. They have no other desire at all. Upirish kara. And what does it mean then leg? The netzach hod yisod. Why is it called leg? Because it's the netzach hod yisod of Abba ve'ima. Are the mochin to the za, and these neshamas are called neshamas of the air ampin, the neshamas that are children. Uh, another idea that we have to quickly say over here is that these two types of souls are not just based on choice that we choose. We're born differently. Our higher souls, the higher souls are more attributed to the air ampin. The lower souls are attributed to malchus. All neshamas come from a unification of za and malchus. Male and female, but there are souls that are more a byproduct of the male, which is Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and there are souls that are more a product of Shechina. Souls that are more a product of Shechina, Shechina is the source of creation of time and space. They are far more bound by time and space, and therefore their consciousness is always a consciousness of separation. It's not bad; God created them that way, but that's just the way they are. They identify more with their mother than with their father. The souls that are higher souls are more souls identifying with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is still the light of God that's above time and space, and therefore their consciousness is also above time and space. So they come from the Ze'eran. Now the reason they're called the feet of their father, the father is not even referring to the Ze'eran. Father is referring to Chachma and Bina, the parents. Which, but the feet of Chachmabina, the Netzachod Yesod of Chachmabina, is what shines in Ze'er Anpin. And since these Neshamis are part of the Ze'er Anpin, that means that they are the feet of Chachmabina. Now, but one is, so what do you see about the feet? Once we've established that they're the feet. Now, feet can do something to the head. What can feet do to the head? Feet can lift the head. Because if your head is at a certain height and your feet climb on a chair, then your head goes higher. Now, your head can't pick itself up higher if the feet don't climb on the chair. Go on a stool, go on a stairs, go to the second floor, go to the third floor. So the head can only be lifted up through the feet. It's an amazing thing. The souls that are called feet of God, they don't have no, no other desire. They're totally an extension of him, are able to lift the head up, which means the lift. Who's the head? Chachma and Bina. That's what we're talking about the whole time. That Chachma and Bina, the head of God, the head of the Adam, of the supernal, what we call the divine being, should be elevated to the infinite, to the essence, to the Keter. Who can do that? Those are the souls that are called feet. But then you, so they're the ones who can cause that. And as a result of that, draw down the Torah from such a potent high level. But what's with the rest of the Jews that are not feet? They're servants. They're outside of the divine. They can't. Oh, uh, they can also experience it. That's what my Rasha Kehilas Yaakov comes to say. Just like the feet pick up the head. I'm sorry. Those Jews that are called Yisrael, Rosh, to draw down and to facilitate this unity. They're the ones who can make, bring it from the betrothal to the completion of the marriage. Like we said earlier. But those neshamas that are called Jacob, Yaakov, 
they are on their own can't activate it, but they can still be recipients of it. Terech Yerusha, it can happen through a way of an inheritance. The key vanshanim shachashpazu bebchenas malchus. Since this transmission comes down into malchus toydish abapeh, mekabelim gamkin anisham is the biyah. Since the tzaddikim cause it, the higher souls cause it to happen. Then it's also received the neshamas of biyah hanikra eved. Even the lower souls that are part of the creation scheme, Bria Yetzir and Asiya is part of the creation, and they're called servants. They as well can absorb such high-level Torah. It can be drawn on Shmini Atzeres to every single Jew. The light of God from such a high level, from God's essence, into our essence of our heart. This is so interesting how I based my Monday night class on this verse. If you're going to see that we're talk about two levels of eating, which is also the two levels of souls. The lower level of eating where you're eating like a holy human and a higher level of eating where you're eating like a divine being. Two levels of eating that we discussed. That was the whole concept of Monday's class. That there's a higher... In other words, you're eating but your experience of food is from the creation looking in. You're looking in, you're seeking the divine, but you're a creation on the outside looking in. Another form of, of, of eating is when you're in the inside and you're looking from the inside out. It's a whole different experience. So we learned by Shmuel Anavi when Shaul came to look for, for Saul, King Saul came to meet Shmuel Samuel. He... Uh, he asked. He didn't. He asked. Uh, he saw girls going out to the well. He asked them, "Where is Where is Shmuel?" And they told him that he's going to be over there, catch him in his place, because he is first has to bless the sacrifice, and then everybody, all the other invitees, everybody will eat after he blesses. So we explained over there that Shmuel and Avi was a much higher soul than all the other souls. His capacity was much higher, and when he was able to first bless and draw down and eat like a divine being. He was able to share it as well with people that are on a much lower caliber soul. Then they could eat. It's the same idea. Oh, this is so how the two classes this week come together in such an amazing way because we were explaining the idea that Avram Avinu was able to lift the angels up to eat. It says when the angels were eating, Avram stood under the tree and they ate. What does that mean? He lifted them up to be able to eat like divine beings. And early, they, they could barely eat like angels, but that's about it. The eating like a divine being is only a soul could do that, and only very high souls. Aram Avinu was able to lift the angels up onto that level. So similar to that, what we're learning, the tzaddikim who can cause such high revelation, they're able to lift the ordinary Jews also into this experience, similar to what it says over there, that when Shmuel benches the, 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 the karban, he draws down this, even these people that are not on that level, but they're called and invited, they can also. And that's the idea that we learned, that a Rebbe can infuse this in his Hasidim as well. This level of being on a much, being in a tzaddik level, being on a whole different experience. That's why the joy of Simcha's Torah is not only for the great, big rabbis. The Simcha's Torah is infectious to everybody because everybody got swept up in this enormous godly revelation 
because the tzaddikim share it with everybody else. All Jews, from their greatest at Ketanam until their most in the, the, the smallest. And that is the explanation of Simchas Based on all of this, in, in Sif Hay, he explains the concept of what is how, how does this work with Eliezer, Eved Avram, with the story of Eliezer and Rivka, asking her to tilt over the, the thing. And he's going to explain why the dynamics of Rivka is very, very important in this whole story. But we're going to leave it for the class that Be'ezer Hashem I will give next week. God Almighty help it, uh, that this last piece opens up for me as clearly as Baruch Hashem this opened up today. I should be able to understand it and maybe learn it in Yerushalayim and the base of English already. Already going to be pretty close. Might as well already be in the, in the courtyard. All right, everyone. Take care. See you all. Okay, Be'ezus Hashem, then I'll, I guess I'll spill the beans, even though I didn't want to make this, uh, I don't want people to bother me, but um, meaning just, <laughs> yes, does he can keep these things private. Yes. So I am, Mashiach is coming. So the next recording, hopefully, is next week, is going to be in Jerusalem, not just because Mashiach is coming, it should be better, because I'm happy to be going to Yerushalayim next week, and hopefully we'll we'll we'll, we'll teach from there. And it's good, because Ki Metziyan Teitzei Torah, Tzad Hashem Yerushalayim. From Tziyan, from Yerushalayim comes Torah. I'll say.